Welcome to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast with Jeff Baker and Drew Pelto. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by Drip Shop Live. Shop live streams of sports cards from your favorite sellers right from your phone or computer. Giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you're listening to this show, you are listening to TTM Cast, your sports collectibles podcast, where we talk TTM, cards, autographs, collecting, and anything else Drew Pelto wants to talk about. That's the rule. That's in his contract. I cannot get around it. So if you think the show is too long, dream. Blame Drew, because he adds all this stuff. But you are listening to TTM Cast. We are a nationally ranked sports card podcast. We are hosted by me, Jeff Baker. I am from Boston, Massachusetts, and I'm co-hosted. We are co-hosted by my friend from Dallas, Texas, Drew Pelto. Welcome, Drew. Hey, good to be here, as always. Should I say Drew Pelto YouTuber? You could. Yeah, I mean, that works out there, which reminds me I need to edit and post one today. creator. There Drew we go. Pelto, yeah. TTM expert. I don't know. You had a, you, you know, if you had you had one of those name badges, like if you worked at like Best Buy, you'd have like seven things under it. Yeah, I'd have to go like you know halfway down my uh, down the shirt <laughs> there. Yeah. Well, why don't you let people know where they can find you on YouTube? Of course, I'll be posting a video sometime this weekend. If you go to a YouTube.com/slash DFW Grapher. I post one video a month right now on uh, anything I get TTM, any in-person graphing I do. Next year, I'm talking about possibly going back to every week instead, just to, you know, kind of extend things out a little bit there. You can also check out my website at dfwgrapher.com. has links to my Twitter, Instagram, um, the other ones that I've joined here recently. Uh, what was it? Hive and Mastodon and all those. Stuff about all the sets that I collect. You can find it all right there. T- uh, it's uh, dfwgrapher.com. Well, Drew, we'll let, why don't we let people know about this, right? We put a, we'll put the death nail on our radio show. Drew and I made the executive decision. They, off, they offered us to come back for 2023, but um, you know what? We want to give all our efforts to the podcast, and we have other, some other things that we're looking at, and we decided not to continue our radio show uh, with, with a heavy heart. They were great. Sports Map Radio was great for us, but... The show will continue until the end of the year. So why don't you let people know where they can listen until the end of the year? Of course, it's called uh, Sports Collectors Club. And you can find it on your local Sports Map Radio affiliate. They're in a couple hundred cities across the country there on uh, Saturday and Sunday morning. We're on Saturdays at 10 a.m. Eastern, Sundays at 7 a.m. Eastern. If you miss an episode, you want to check a back episode, you can go to sportscollectorsclub.com, find all of our info there. If you don't have a sports map radio affiliate in your area, download their app. You can find it on any uh, Google or Apple app store. Thanks, Drew. That was awesome. Uh, just a couple things about this week. Collecting wise, I picked up a, uh, a blaster box of Topps Archive 2022. I like them. I'm, I don't think I'm going to collect them like I had in the past, but uh, I didn't get any, no autographs. The cards are nice, um, but I don't know. It's just, there's just so much stuff out there to get, you know, it's, yeah. Sometimes I just buy a box to see what they look like. And I, I do like the look, but I think I'm going to pass on them this year. Do you, have you got any? Uh, yeah, I did pick up some uh, archives a couple of weeks ago. I got grabbed a blaster of it. And it, yeah, it's a fun break, but 
nothing in it that really is uh, really stands out to anything that I collect. I mean, I'm always looking for out like whenever they do the 72 designs, obviously, and they did that in 2013 for 50 cards. So they're probably not going to bring that back for a little while. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's worthwhile for, you know, a little quick fun break and everything. Or if there's a certain player that I know I'm going to get, I can grab his archives card or something, but yeah, probably for the most part, I'm going to skip over it this year. Yeah. I got a Brooks Robinson card. I'm thinking about maybe sending it off, but you know what? Well, I, I look at that and like, do I want to send off a 2022 archive or do I want to send out a 1961 tops? They can right, sign, right. You know what I mean? So for, for my $10, am I getting a, a good buy? I mean, the card will, will look good, but is it, is it, is it a good buy? Good buy to send, send the 10 bucks. If it was free, I think I'd, I wouldn't mind sending it, but yeah. even $10 for a guy like Brooke Robinson, I look at the, you know, uh, you know, Andre Dawson, I think I got him and a couple other guys. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I Carlton Fisk. I got a Carlton Fisk card. Like, am I going to send, spend $50 on a Carlton Fisk card or am I going to send his 1973 tops card with the rookie cup, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I do the same thing. I mean, I'd rather, I'd much rather get the original signed anytime that I can, but, I mean, if there's something really cool they come out with, then all right, yeah, I might make a make an exception there. I, I, I don't know. It, it, again, it look nice looking set tops, but there's just so much stuff out there. We're gonna we'll talk about all the new releases. There's so many new releases out. I also picked up a, a box of update 2022 tops update, um, mm-hmm. and I got a Julio Rodriguez rookie card, which I was very happy about. Nice. Um, and I got a, I got some, I, I got a, I think got three Torkelson cards. So I, Torkelson seems to be my guy. I, don't I have one guy every year? That just mm-hmm. follows me around. Torkelson is my guy this year. Hey, you could do a lot worse than that. I mean, you could open, you know, open everything and end up getting like, I don't know, some, you know, random relief pitcher in every single pack or something. No, like I know that. who my guy last year was Alec Baum. I got oh, yeah. Alec Baum. I got Alec Baum inserts, Alec Baum uh, autographs, Alec Baum uh, short prints. I got, every box I got, I got Alec Baum. This year, it's it seems to be Torkelson. Every time I buy, buy a box, I get Torkelson cards. So, so I, I I like the update. I think I'm gonna I might just buy the set. You know I don't know I I have I have series one series two and I kind of need the update to to complete it. You know and and uh, the cards are nice and uh, I like getting the shot at some some of the inserts. Again, I did not get any autographs. I have not been very lucky getting autographs. When I when I let my wife pick the box, I always get an autograph. Not when I pick the box myself, I always get shut out. How about you? Did you get it? Did you get any make any pickups this week? Uh, yeah, did some eBay buying. Actually, got uh, went out. Well, no, not eBay. It was a sport lots buying. Got um. So I've been twenty cards short on the twenty eighteen Donruss Optic Soccer set. I completed Donruss itself and all the uh, just the regular Donruss inserts. I did the twenty eighteen, uh, what was it? Prism World Cup set. I was about 20 short on the optic set. So I figured, all right, we'll go ahead and get some of those. So I was able to knock out seventeen out of the twenty that I still need there, and. Uh, just did sport lots of box shipping on those. So I'll be able to get those probably in a few weeks, maybe a month or so, have to get them to me. But yeah, that was about all I did. Just did that. Um, cranked out some more TTMs that are going in the mailbox here soon. And uh, yeah, I think that was about it for the week. So yeah, I sent off, um, I think I sent off 20 TTMs this, this week, uh, all football. All, yeah. I, went, I went through 1983 Tops football and I, I sent out a bunch of football this week. So um I, I, I love when they come in and we'll talk about returns a little later. Why don't you let people know who you need for your, your, uh, your set. Maybe they can help you out. Uh, yeah. Let me pull up the uh, list here. Hopefully I don't scare the cat here. That, that, uh, that prism near that prism set must be worth something. Now that that's really hot set. Yeah. That prism, even just the base set itself that I've seen being sold for like anywhere between like two and $400. So uh, yeah. being able to finish that off, I'm real happy with that. I'll just sit on that for a while. It's got some 
first first few cards of some uh, big namers there, but uh, let me see here. I've got my list in here. The I ones had a, that I, I had a friend. Uh, this was back in the late seventies, I think, mm -hmm. and he loved soccer, and he collected. They, uh, I don't know who was releasing soccer a soccer set back back then, but he was collecting these soccer cards from England, and they were really oh, yeah. cool. I don't remember who. I don't know if it was Tops or who put it out, but they were really neat cards. It might have been Tops. I remember. I know I've seen some of them. They did them in a lot of uh, the same design as some of the sets that were used over here. So, like, yeah. I think there was like a seven. I think there was the maybe it was seventy nine eighty hockey set was used as the one of the designs over there. And you see the same thing actually in Australia with uh, their Australian football card sets from the sixties through the early eighties or so. A lot of football designs from the U.S. and even that seventy nine eighty hockey design were kind of repurposed a little bit over there with the Scanlon's chewing gum sets in Australia. So it's kind of cool just, you know, seeing that. And it's like, wait a second, that looks really familiar there. So. <laughs> wait a minute, I've seen that before. Yeah. So the three that I still need for 2018 Donruss Optic, I need card number 18 of Thomas Muller, card number 133 of Paul Pogba, and card number 191 of uh, Kai Havertz. It's uh, Havertz's uh, rated rookie in that one. So Okay, so that might cost you a few bucks, but the other two yeah. are just commons. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're still, you know, kind of bigger names, but still shouldn't go for much more than a couple bucks. I've seen them on eBay. I could grab them for probably a couple bucks each there, but I always try to condense my shipping there as much as I can. So. You put me to shame, set building. I have so <laughs> many of the, I have so many set baseball card sets that I've been working on from like, you know, the 2000, you know, 15 to, to present, you know, mm -hmm. that I need like 20 cards, 30 cards, 15 cards. They're all sitting in binders and I just, I have no lists anywhere. I have. Yeah. Not, I never go out and finish. I am so incomplete on my sets. I, I'm jealous how you're. You're so. You're so organized. Well, what I love doing is whenever I go on sport lots, if I'm buying stuff for like, let's say we've got you know like the Springfield Cardinals are coming to town and play against Frisco, so I'll stock up on cards of them. What I'll then do usually is see if any of the dealers I bought from. Okay, you know how many can I still get at this shipping cost? And okay, do they have then have any set any cards for any sets that I need? Just you know tossing a few there and kind of work it out that way whenever I can. So that kind of works out pretty well sometimes. You're so organized. Are you planning on doing any uh, minor league hockey this year to, to go do some more graphing? Uh, probably not for any hockey stuff. I mean, it's a, what, two hour drive to get to Austin. Okay. The stars just aren't worth uh, getting out to at all. So it's just, yeah, probably not going to do a whole lot of hockey at all. How about basketball? Do you do, do anything with the, the Mavs? Never have. Never, not, haven't tried to graph any games or anything like that. I know people who do uh, the games there and stuff and go down right after right after shoot around and stuff. But, yeah, I haven't really done it myself at all. I never had any luck at basketball games ever. It's just I don't know why. I just, you know, if I did seats, too. And, yeah. you know, before the game and, I, you know, maybe because I'm not a 13-year-old girl or an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> I just don't have any luck at basketball. Yeah, I've just never tried it all. And even like hockey, if you get there super early, you might catch a guy, you know, coming out of the tunnel and taping his stick right next to the uh, right next to the rice and everything. But I haven't really tried there. The only time I tried once was I brought a uh, Yarmir Yager 11 by 14 photo with me, hoping to get him when the uh, back when he was with the Panthers and I went to a Panthers and Stars game, but didn't even look in my direction at all. So no luck. No, how bad I am, Drew. The Bruins trained, when I say less than two, two miles from my house for mm -hmm. like, 15 years and i never went up there yeah jeez. <laughs> i've heard that was the best place for it too that a restucci arena i know people who got everybody outside of there so yeah it's yeah I that's what i used to like about the stars practice facility too was i mean the players originally used to have to walk right by you to be able to go out to their cars and so you get everybody stopping and signing the only times like 
some of the big names might park outside or anybody who didn't like signing might park outside in the back or something and take the back way out. So, okay, fine. You go back there and wait after practice out the back door one day then, but they've closed that off. Now they've uh, they have a door that goes directly from the locker room to the players parking area. So they don't have to deal with us great unwashed out there or anything like that. So that kind of killed everything there. Have you picked up any uh, upper deck hockey uh, for 2022? I have not picked up any upper deck hockey in a couple of years now, unfortunately. I just, I don't know. Ever since Panini lost the deal and went straight, went strictly to upper deck, I've just kind of lost interest in it a little bit. Yeah, I think we should get Sal on with you and I together uh, to just talk a little hockey because he, he knows so much about it. And Clemente is very good at, at hockey as well, but I think we got to get Sal on to get, because I'm, I'm, I'm not, don't know what to buy. You know, I mean, there's so many different releases now and I don't want to buy all the, you know, this, whatever, there's different 12 different releases from upper deck. And mm-hmm. I just want to buy the one that that's good. You know what yeah. I mean? There's, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I, I do like hockey and I, you know, I don't, I think you and I have talked about this back in the day. I could, I named all the, I could name every line, the fourth line guys, the backup goalies. Mm-hmm. There's just so many players and so many different, there's so many teams now. I just don't know the players. So when I buy a box of upper deck, I open it and I get, okay, I get four Bruins that I know and maybe one or two Canes or Rangers. And, and then, then I'm like lost. I'm like, who are these guys? Yeah. Especially the rookies. I don't know the rookies that well. Yeah. And I mean, I go back, I mean, I was a big fan of like the 1990, 91 pro set set. That to me is like, yep. I know it's an, it's an absolute garbage set, but to me, that's kind of the gold standard of making sure that every single player got recognized. And I absolutely love stuff like that. And nowadays it's like you get what, maybe 400 cards per year total. And this is across now 32 teams instead of across 20 teams. So fewer and fewer players get represented every year. Yeah. It's, it's a shame. It's kind of like that with football, right? When in the old tops football, you, you, you know, you never got the kickers. You didn't get the, you didn't get a lot of the second wide receivers and the guy mm-hmm. in the cornerbacks and that, but then the pro set came out and like, this is awesome. It's got everybody. Yeah. yeah you could put the entire offensive line of any team together, plus their kicker and their punter. The only thing it was missing and this is something that I, I mean, I will go ranting on forever is that the long snappers never got appreciation ever. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> but they were still good. All right. Yeah. We, we got odd up on a little tangent. That was my fault. We have a great show for you guys this week. A lot of stuff. I spoke with Wilma Briggs. Uh, now this is about three or four weeks ago. I spoke with her. She is uh, 92 years old. She played in the all American girls baseball league from 1948 to 1952. The last year of the league. And I think it's 54, maybe. And uh, she is second all-time on home runs. She's the second all-time home run leader uh, for the league. So we talked to her about her time in the uh, All-American Girls Baseball League. She played for, ready, Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox was one of her managers. Nice. Max Carey, who's a Hall of Famer, was one of her managers. So we talked to her about that. We talked to her about um, her the, the different teams, to got people that she played against, uh, how she tried out, and uh, it was, it's really a, a fun interview and she's, I'm telling you, she's sharp as attack. Uh, and one of the things that you could see is she's still competitive at 92. I, we were talking to stuff that was happening in the forties and fifties. And she was like, that ball hit the top of the wall. If I, that one went over, I would add another home run. And like, she was just really good, really, really good. So please, and, you know, that's, that's coming up. And we have a, a special contest where you can get uh, a, Autograph only Briggs a baseball card as well. So stick around for that. Next week, we have Dick Bossman. Dick Bossman, listen to this one, Drew. Dick Bossman pitched in the last game, started the last game for the Washington Senators in 19, whatever, what is it, 71. 
And then 1972, he pitched in the very first game for the Texas Rangers. That's pretty cool. So we're going to talk to Dick about his career. Dick's a great TTM or a great signer, so we're going to talk to him about that as well. That will be next week. And we have all our regular segments, right, Drew? We do. We've got Baker's Dozen where we'll be talking about all the hobby news from the previous week. Corner kicks with Clemente Lisi. We'll get to hear about uh, his thoughts on the World Cup so far and soccer collectibles as they are related to that. Uh, fast forward football, you get our really bad football picks. Uh, we're both hovered around 500 here uh, last week. So yay for that, I guess. But uh, <laughs> we've got Making the Grade where we'll talk about, or excuse me, we've got more from Les first, uh, more where we'll have uh, Les Wolf joining us talking about whatever's on his mind. He is, I mean, kind of the guru of autographs yeah, here on the Drew, show. You know what I do? I just sit back. I go, Les, what do you think of? And then he just goes. <laughs> And just give him, give him the next 20 minutes and he'll just I, go on. I serve I up the softball and then I just sit back and I go, okay, Les. <laughs> nice. We've got Making the Grade. We'll talk about everything in the world of grading from the previous week. Stamp of approval where Jeff and I give our thumbs up on something, anything, could be literally anything from the previous week that uh, whatever strikes our fancy there. The Vern Rap Minute where we talk about uh, any deaths in the world of sports, celebrity, politics, music, movies, anything, that, uh, anything that's uh, big like that. And of course, the main reason why you're here and why we're here, our TTM returns. Thanks, Drew. You do you do that the best. I give you an A plus every time you do that. You're awesome. All right. <laughs> Guys, we would love to hear from you. We love to get feedback. We love to answer your questions. Um, please we send us a text. You can send us a text at 978-729-0662. It's 978-729-0662. All anything that's happening with the show, you can just go to a ttmcast.com, our website. Everything that's happening on the show, all our contests, all our old old shows, they're all there. And we also love to get emails, right, Drew? Absolutely, we do. And you can find us at ttmcast at yahoo.com. That's right. We love to get emails. So send us emails, send us questions, send us comments, uh, send us, you know, if you want to send a gift to Drew, we can get his his auto address. And maybe even his autograph too. He's true. True. Only doesn't charge anymore. He used to, but yeah. we, he makes it up in the in the, in the email tag. That's where I'll he find, I'll find my now. business card there and uh, sign that for anybody who wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, true. That wraps up Baker's dozen, and I guess an extended version of Baker's dozen. Because blame me for that one. Next up, oh, not that was in Baker's dozen. That was just the introductions. Yeah, we're, we're, up, we're <laughs> we haven't even started Baker's dozen. Right. Next up is Baker's Dozen, guys. Baker's Dozen, sponsored by SportsCollectorsDaily.com. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there is always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Baker's Dozen is a summary of what's been going on in the hobby. We have a lot of stuff to talk about. Just a few things that I want to let you guys remind you about. Remember, check out my article on TTM and autograph collecting and Sports Collectors Daily. It's a weekly article, brand new article every week. I, they usually post it on Tuesday or Wednesday morning. Uh, Sports Collectors Daily, make sure you check that out. This is a, a fun promotion that one of our listeners gave, gave an idea for, and we're, we're going to run it through the end of the 
the holidays. We're going to call it Give a Card, Get a Card because we can't come up with a good name. We're just we're, it's a great promotion with not a great name. <laughs> right, we, we describe we describe what's going on at least with the name. So that's I mean that's that's something. <laughs> so the the way this has worked, so you can go to our website ttncast.com. All the information is there, how to do it. But what you have to do is you get two autographed cards. Any cards you got, any I'm sure everyone has doubles of cards. They don't they don't mind giving up. One of the cards is going to go to signatures for soldiers. And, and Tim and his guys are they going to sell sell those off to earn money for the, uh, wounded veterans. The second card, that's going to another collector. And so what you do is you send me a card, send me a self-addressed stamped envelope, and send me a second card. And you are going to receive another card back, another signed card back from another collector. So it's a kind of nice social. We've, we got our first card in yesterday, and we hope to get a bunch more cards in. As the cards come in, we'll send them off. To the fellow collectors, so don't worry if you send out send out a Collier Strumsky autograph card. You're not you're not going to get a Rick Miller autograph card. You'll get a card that's equal in value. But keep in mind, um, you know, these this is just a way to to get a, a card before Christmas or up to through Christmas, um, and we're going to do it. It's called give a card, get a card for the holidays. You're helping out signatures to soldiers. You get a card. You get you get to. Uh, network with fellow collectors and i think it's a, a fun promotion no you drew absolutely i know i'm definitely gonna be sending in at least a few cards on there so uh yes yeah, so, right. somebody's gonna get more something than from... one just if you send yeah. out, out three or four three or four cards that's fine you'll get three or four cards back but please send me um three or four self-addressed envelopes that way you get more mail and that way i don't mix everything up okay and we yeah. we make sure that you guys get get uh, a card you want and i've got I've got a bunch of cards kind of sitting here that I was, I was going to send over to Tim. So we'll, we'll kind of work. We'll, we have, I have, we have a bunch of cards uh, to, to cover, cover it. So make sure, give a card, get a card, go to ttmcast.com. My address is right there where you send it to, how you, what you have to do is put pretty easy to do. And I'm going to do, we'll do this through Christmas, maybe even through the end of the year. Uh, and hopefully everyone can have some fun and we can earn some money for signatures for soldiers. Okay, I think all the all the uh, housework work is done. And Drew, now we can start with True Baker's Dozen News. Yes, we can. We've got the Mint Collective has been announced to be coming up in early 2022, March 30th through April 2nd. It's going to be at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. If you want to find out more about that show, go and check out themintcollective.com. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll have Ezra Levine from collectible.com on later in the year. Uh, for early in the year to talk about the show. This last year was the first year they had the show. It was very successful. And uh, I think it's going to be bigger and better. So if you can't can get a chance to go to Las Vegas in, in March, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, uh, check out the collective.com. Well, Drew, have $300 million, extra $300 million lying around? Um, last time I checked, I don't, unfortunately. <laughs> well, our friends at Golden Auction have an auction that ends December 17th. And they are auctioning off Aaron Judge's 62 home run ball, the one that was hit in Texas. Drew, unfortunately, wasn't quick enough to get that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was a couple but, miles away back in my back in my apartment. Yeah, so. he 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 was ha having a, a glass of milk, a warm glass of milk before he went to bed. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but that ball that was hit, uh, the fan caught it, and the, um, our friends at Memory Lane, J.P. Cohen, offered them two million dollars for the ball, and the guy said, "Nope." I'm not doing that. Then about, I don't know, a couple of weeks later, someone said, hey, I'll give you $3 million for that ball. The guy says, nope, not for me. I'm not doing it. 
Well, you know what? He put the ball up for auction. Hopefully he didn't make the wrong decision. You never know. Yeah. But we'll we'll keep everyone posted. The, the auction ends December 17th. So, in, in fact, Aaron Judge said he will not bid on the ball unless he signs this free agent contract. All right. So if he signs a free agent contract, he'll have plenty of money to build it, bid, on, bid on his ball. But yep. uh, it would be really interesting to see if Aaron Judge actually won the ball or had his be- his cousin do it. You know, like, you know, Drew has right. all his cousin's email stuff, have, have, his, have his cousin bid on it. But that's pretty, pretty cool. Golden Elite Auctions. It's goldenauctions.com. They also have a cool 1964 game-used Hank Aaron home jersey, Milwaukee Braves jersey, a 6.5 1952 Mickey Mantle card, and all sorts of other stuff. So check it out goldenauctions.com we'll get we'll keep you guys uh abreast of how that how much that ball goes for um part of me hopes that it, it goes for less than three million yeah I, I think i don't think it's gonna hit that three million point i think the guy should have probably taken that deal there but hey who knows it's worth it a gamble i'd say though uh, what's yeah, the difference taken, really between getting two million and three million for it i would have taken mean? the three million and smiled all the way to the bank yeah that's true <laughs> for an $18 baseball or $12 baseball or whatever how much that basketball costs yeah we got some info from uh, sports card investors on the uh, most cards sold over the last 30 days topping the list right now Justin Fields is uh, has been sold the most over the last 30 days John Morant comes in second with Zion Williamson third number four Joe Burrow of the Cincinnati Bengals and rounding out the top five I mean this guy's always gonna be up there LeBron James yeah, I mean Justin Fields had a, has had a good month, right? He beat the Patriots. He's had, he's I think you can see that. Morant's hurt, so I was a little surprised that he was up there. Uh, and then Zion, I don't know. He just played his hundredth game or something. He wow. he's been a big disappointment, don't you think? He has, but it's also still early. I mean, that's the thing with a lot of these guys is you know sometimes you just need a little bit of patience there. I mean, he's drafted at what 19, 20 years old or so. The average athlete's prime doesn't come until they're twenty seven to thirty two. So. As long as he's, you know, able to maintain that, yes, he does belong in the NBA and keep improving, he's probably got a lot ahead of him. I know you look at a guy like Justin Tatum, uh, Jason Tatum. He was he was good, but like the last two years when he's kind of, I think he's 24, 25 now, he's starting to hit his stride and what, he's having a hell of a year. Well, Drew, in the NFL, we're, we've, we're, what are we, 12 weeks in, 13 weeks in now, right? 12 weeks yep. in? Something like that. So, uh, right. You know, as uh, Bill Belichick and, and Bill Parcells would always say, you are what you are, right? At, at week 12, you're basically are where you are. You're not getting any better or any worse usually. And the two guys I think in the NFL that, that have kind of shined brightest are Joe Burrow. He's continued. I think he, he's proved that he's a real thing. He made the Super Bowl last year. He's having a uh, really good year this year. And then Tua. Tua from the Dolphins. He was supposed to come in with the gangbusters, and I think he got hurt, right? Didn't he hurt his shoulder? Or he got... Yeah, he's been dealing with some injury problems at times here early on, which, I mean, that dates back to when he was in college. He was dealing with injuries there, too. Yeah, and, and con- concussion problems, too, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is he's going gangbusters for the Dolphins, and I think his card is uh, really going up in value, and I would invest in both those guys, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've... Uh... There's so many guys now that come in as rookies and they have like a really great rookie year and then they completely disappear. Baker Mayfield is one of those. Uh, Murray out in uh, Arizona has been, you know, kind of up and down and everything. But Tua and Burrow now have been in there for what, two to three years now. And they've really, I mean, they've passed the test of time here early on at least. So hopefully that keeps on going for them. And yeah, I would say if out of anybody in those over, over the last couple of years there, they're worth checking out for uh, investments. Yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, Justin Herbert's a real thing. I really don't. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's another one where he had, you know, one really great season and now he's kind of, you know, 
come back to earth a little bit, it seems like. And I just, I don't trust uh, the uh, Chargers around him, really. Yeah, to, I don't uh, know if he's better than Matt Stafford, it. honestly. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Well, a couple of things going on this week I'm very excited about. Baseball winter meetings is going on this weekend, starting uh, Sunday and going through, I think, till the 5th or so, right? 5th or 6th. Uh, all sorts of cool stuff happening then, including they will have the, what is it, the recent players, Hall of Fame, whatever they want to call it. What, what do they yeah, call whatever. it? I don't even remember now. It's it's whatever the uh, whatever the uh, used to be the old timers committee is for the not so old timers basically on this one. So, well, I really like to see Fred McGriff get in. I don't know if he's going to. I don't think Mattingly will get in. Uh, I don't think and I don't really think the the uh, steroid guys. I don't think any of those guys will get in. And I don't see them voting in Schilling though. I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh, go kicking screaming if he gets in. McGriff, I think, has the best chance out of anybody on the ballot. And like like I said, when we first talked about this, when the ballot was first released, if I had a vote, it would go to Fred McGriff and Albert Bell. So I think I know Bell is not going to get in. I can guarantee you that. The only thing that hurts McGriff, and it really does, is that he got traded so many times. What was he was on like five or six different teams, right? Yeah. And that's that's I think is part of what's kept Kenny Lofton off of the ballot, too. I mean, Lofton statistically Lofton is one of the 10 best center fielders of all time. But when you don't have that single team identity that so many guys have, that really hurts you in the eyes of Hall of Fame voters. And I think undeservedly so. I mean, it just proves that every team wants you is the biggest thing right there. Yeah, so, it's yeah. too bad he couldn't have stayed with Cleveland because when he was with Cleveland, he was awesome. He was outstanding. Yeah. He, he, he would disrupt the game just getting on first base. He was so good. And as a fielder, he was a, a great fielder. And is, is he is, is he a Hall of Fame caliber? Yes. I get, and again, I think like uh, you're right. I think, you know, going to Houston and going to a couple other teams, I think that hurts him. Yeah, I mean, he bounced around after. I mean, he went, spent what, 92 through 96 with Cleveland, did that year in Atlanta, then came back to like another four years or so in Cleveland. And then after that, he goes spending what, seven, eight years bouncing around to like eight different teams in that time. And I mean, it sucks because it's like that didn't hurt Ricky Henderson at all. I mean, Henderson played for everybody and anybody, but I mean, he was also, I mean, you steal 1,400 bases or whatever it was. I mean, you really can't ignore that at all. But yeah, I mean, Lofton gets hurt by it. Uh, McGriff gets hurt by it. You know who didn't get hurt was Robbie Alomar. Yeah, I think the big thing with Alomar was winning two World Series early on in his career really helped him out. Being a perennial all-star after that really helped him out. And I think it was the fact that everywhere he went, he seemed to stay at least with a couple his early years there. He would stay a good three to five years in each of those places. I mean, he was in, what, San Diego from 88 till 91. 90, I want to say. So not too long there, but 91 to 95 or 96 in Toronto, that helped him out. 96 until what, 99, 2000, somewhere around that with uh, Baltimore, then a couple years with Cleveland. So it was at guys, least, I mean, he was he's right doing this off his, Guys, he's doing this off the top of his head. He's not yeah. looking at his screen. This is like, he's like, uh, you know, an idiot savant with the, with the years. Yeah, stuff. I'm just agreeing with you, Drew, because I, yeah. I I don't, I didn't remember playing with these teams, but I couldn't tell you what years. But yeah, <laughs> he was. Yeah, cool. Well, he stayed around for a couple of years everywhere there. And those were elite teams at that time, too. Whereas, you know, like Kenny Lofton in Cleveland, his first two years there, Cleveland was this, you know, total basement team there for the 92 yeah. and 93. Finally got on the board a bit in 94. And then, of course, World Series in 95. But yeah, I mean, Robbie Almar, two World Series wins in Toronto. Perennial playoff team there in Baltimore when the AL East was real tough there with the Yankees and Red Sox. The Orioles were still good at that point. The Blue Jays were 
they existed, we'll just say at that point, but a couple of playoff years with Cleveland. So yeah, it's just, I mean, you can have a great player and have them stuck on a crappy team and that punishes them. And I don't think it's really that fair, really. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that we get the results and hopefully there'll be some trades at the baseball winter meeting. So that should be a, a fun week. Um, yeah. Drew, we have some show news to let everyone know about. Our friends at Ludex, they have a card show. This I think they're doing a, a monthly card show now or, or a quarterly card show. They have a show December 10th, next weekend, at the Rosemont in uh, Rosemont, Illinois. It's from 9 to 3. No, the nice part of this, it's free parking and free admission. So make sure you check it out. There's all sorts of autograph guests, including Jack Sanborn from the Chicago Bears. He's a rookie linebacker, I believe. Right, Drew? I think so. He's having a good season. Gary Matthews from the Phillies and who else did he play for the Cubs yeah he was definitely a Cub later on and the one Drew wants Billy White Shoes Johnson yep <laughs> so he's Big signing as well there. so make sure you check it out it's a Ludex card show Saturday December 10th that's next weekend at the Ro- in Rosemont Illinois and free parking and free admission so make, make sure you guys check that one out if you're in the area if anybody happens to get a uh, Billy White Shoes Johnson there on his 2004 Topps Archives card, I'd be very happy to trade for that at some point. So keep that in mind if you're going to that show, uh, if you can get that done. I've got the DA Regional Sports Collectibles show coming up in Merrillville, Indiana. That's going to be on December 10th through 11th, so next weekend. Chris Chelios will be out there, as will Bob Lilly, Spud Webb, Oil Can Boyd. So some solid names right there, a couple of Hall of Famers, and then, of course, you know, great players there in Webb and Boyd. So that's, again, next weekend in Merrillville, Indiana. Very good. Nick, we have a lot of new releases to let you guys know about. Uh, you know, Christmas is coming up, Hanukkah is coming up, Kwanzaa is coming up, all sorts of things you can buy for people. So a lot of new releases. Absolute Football 2022 is out. Five cards per pack, three card, three packs per box. You get three autos in, in a, a box of Absolute. I love the Absolute product. They used to be a nice, you know, 50, 30, 35 to $50 box. Not anymore, guys. Two, 375 to 450 on it. This 200 card set, absolute football 2022. Go kaboom hunting uh, for uh, about 400 bucks. Yeah. Uh, Tops Heritage Miners have uh, hit the shelves as well. Hobby Box are going to contain two autographs, eight cards per pack in there. $55 for a box of that. So, fairly affordable price right there. And one that I'll definitely be looking at here once the uh, minor league graphing season rolls around. Yeah, I saw a break of it, Drew. The, the cards are nice. They're like the 73 cards, you know, but yep. um, not not bad for 55 bucks. There's a couple, two autographs per box. There's some inserts in there. Um, it, it's a nice set. This one's uh, a head scratcher. We're going to call this a head scratcher, Drew, right? Yeah. 19, it's, a, it's called the 1952 Tops by Nature. It's one encased card and one pack of six cards. And what they did is they took the 1952 design of all the high number ones, the ones that got dumped into the Atlantic Ocean and they made it as if they were all pulled out of the Atlantic Ocean. So they have like seaweed pictures on them and barnacles. And I just don't, Tops is, is shooting for something. But anyway, 1952 Tops by Nature, 40 bucks, buy everywhere. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not touching that one. That's- Oh no, I'm not either. <laughs> uh, speaking of Tops, their 2022 Rip Baseball has uh, is gonna be hitting the shelves, four cards per box. All of them are rip cards, so uh, you don't know what might be inside there. $99 for that. So uh, interesting concept, the rip card there. I'm not a huge fan of it, though. Um, I I'd, I'd probably would keep most of them unripped there, but uh, I've I've heard once in a while you can test them out a little bit. If there's a metal card in there, like a magnet can sometimes react to it. But aside from that, if I didn't know for certain what was in there, I, I, I don't think I'd take my chances on it. 
I think I've gotten one rip card in all everything that I've opened and I did rip it and I think I regretted ripping it. It was a good, it was a good card mm -hmm. that I ripped and I think I got like a shitty, you know, mini whatever there was it was nothing to write home about so i was bombing yeah i don't i think the the, the rip or not to rip is is an evil thing <laughs> yeah yeah i'm i've never gotten a rip card at all and i'm totally happy with not getting one at all. yeah well if you want to try it for it's four cards per box but it's a hundred dollars i think if it was 25 dollars i'd take a shot at it yeah definitely. but a hundred dollars i don't know all right 2002 alan and ginter are out now blaster boxes 48 cards in the box blaster boxes go for 25 dollars I've seen some some breaks on uh, on those, and uh, you know, typical Alan Ginter, they have the mini cards in there. They have the the weirdo cards that Drew likes that he sends off to the the Tiddlywink champion of, of uh, North Dakota. Uh, really, there's a, a lot of potential TTMs in there or oddball TTMs. Uh, are you have you got any Alan Ginter yet this year? I have not yet, but I'll be keeping an eye out on it and just uh, mostly to see who the oddballs are they put in there this year. Those are. Those are always fun. It's always cool whenever they decide to put a card in there of, you know, some totally random person. Like, you know, I mean, I just sent off one to uh, Juice Tandron, who is the, uh, like, official haircutter, official barber of the uh, Miami Marlins and a bunch of visiting players. So you never See, know what I you're going to find I there. I told you that's that's what the, Drew, Drew is, uh, like, checking out the checklist on this oh, one, yeah. guys. <laughs> Anyways, we got a uh, Bowman Chrome Baseball is going to be coming out here pretty soon. You got a... Uh, Hobby Box are going to have 12 packs with five cards per pack, so 60 cards total. Two autographs per box as well. That's running at $275 for uh, this year. Drew is just getting his coffee going, guys. So just, Exactly, we're, yeah. We're doing this bright and early it. in the morning, so forgive Drew if he's lagging. Even when I saw, when, when we first got on this morning, I said, Drew, huh, good morning. Are you up? How are you doing? He's like, I'm just getting my coffee. And yeah, so yeah. He's, 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 he's still doing yeoman's work. Well, guys... 2022 Topps Heritage High Number is out. Or it's coming out December 7th. That's next weekend. You get 24 packs, nine cards per pack. So it's a pretty good deal. One autograph for a relic, 225 cards in the set, 200 of the base set, and 25, uh, what, what do they call them? The high short prints, right? Yeah. Short prints. So they're going anywhere between uh, $80 and $90 for, for a box. And they're, they're going to be out December 7th. That's Topps 2022 Heritage High Number. That's 216 cards per box right there out of a 225 card set. That is not bad at all. Right not there. bad. Uh, 2022 Tops Holiday Mega Boxes are coming out. 200 cards set there. You get 10 packs of 10 cards. So 100 cards right there. Almost half the set right there. And you'll get one auto or relic per mega box. $25 right there. That is not a bad price at all. That's, I mean, I might go and check that out for sure. Yeah, I mean, that you know, I think they always lowball this one in terms of price for the kids. This is a this is a, a lot of people get these for Christmas gifts, right? Stocking yeah. stuffers or whatever. And, um, you know, it's, it's kind of neat. They have all those inserts with, with the candy canes and jingle bells and Santa mm -hmm. and all stuff. It, it's kind of a fun set better than the, the 1952 tops by nature. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's, yeah. <laughs> lastly, that came out this week, uh, top stadium club, which the, the pictures on the top stadium club are usually the best. It's a great card. Usually it's kind of no bordered foot, full full uh, photo and uh, they're really good it's 300 cards set there's 16 packs eight cards per pack you get one on card auto for 100 bucks for a hobby box which isn't bad yeah all right oh, i think that's it that wraps up baker's dozen thought we got baker's dozen done earlier but we didn't baker's dozen is done next up we're gonna have clemente lise with corner kicks 
Clemente joins me to talk soccer. We talk, we're talking World Cup. I spoke to Clemente Wednesday of this past, this week uh, after the U.S. had beaten Iran. So we talk about that. So when when we do mention something, keep in mind that we spoke um, Wednesday. This this past Wednesday is when the interview was conducted. But we talked to Wednesday, uh, Clemente about what's going on at the World Cup and how that's affecting the collectible market. And, Clemente is going out to Qatar in a, uh, next week. So we're going to have, not next week, but the following week, we're going to have an interview with Clemente directly from Qatar. I think uh, our first, uh, one of our first international uh, interviews. So that'll be nice. So please enjoy my interview with Clemente Lise and Corner Kicks. And now it's time for Corner Kicks with Clemente Lise. Introducing Drip Shop Live, a live online marketplace of sports cards and products from your favorite sellers. Discover giveaways, auctions, breaks, personal boxes, singles, and more right from your phone or desktop. On Drip Shop Live, you'll find hundreds of sellers live all the time. Give Drip Shop Live a try. For a limited time, save $15 off your first purchase of $20 or more. Try finding another break or card box that's that affordable. And shipping is always free on Dripshop Live. Go to dripshop.live slash invite slash TTM or find the link in our description to get this exclusive offer. Goal! All right, guys, it's time for Corner Kicks with Clemente Lise, and you just missed the best show ever because we, Clemente and I had about a 10-minute talk about what's going on, and we never recorded any of it. So we're going to we're gonna record now. We're going to talk to Clemente Lise. Of course, he is our soccer expert. He knows a little about hockey, too. We might bring him back after World Cup to talk a little hockey. Of course, Clemente is author of the brand-new book, The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Events. It's available on Amazon and everywhere you can get books and and uh, he is a superstar now, but we got him before we got him uh, before he was a superstar. So his rate is really low. We, you know, he, we got him at, at the low rate. We 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 bought up bought low, and now he's now he's more valuable than you know. So welcome, Clemente. Great to be back. What a game yesterday! First, before we start talking about World Cup, guys, we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, the thirtieth. So if if we talk about stuff that's happening this weekend. Uh, and we're wrong. Sorry, we're, we're doing this Wednesday before we post it. And, uh, you know, we had the U.S. and Iran yesterday and kind of as a, a soccer novice, uh, you know, I, I've watched soccer, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm the typical fan. Right. I just I watch I, I watched the World Cup and every once in a while I watch a revolution game or, or MLS game. But one thing that confounds me is this corner kick, Clemente. There's got to be a better way to do the corner kick. I get all excited when there's a corner kick, and then nine times out of ten they kick it and nothing happens. I <laughs> know. I think yeah. I mean, it's true. I mean, possession is important in soccer, and obviously, when the ball goes over the end line and the other team puts it out, you get a corner kick. And different teams kick them in different ways. The truth is, some teams practice set pieces better than others. I will admit that this World Cup, I haven't seen any great goals coming off of corner kicks. So for someone who hasn't watched enough you might be disappointed. I think you're putting too much stock in the corner kick. The truth is keeping possession, keeping the ball in the opponent's box is all important. Yesterday during the Iran game, I noticed that at one point Pulsic before the goal kicked the corner kick that was really poor, poorly done. The ball went like out of It was horrible. Right. And that was, and that's not typical of a corner kick. And I think that that's just a lot of nerves. I think, you know, in the big matches, the nerves really come through, but you think they'd be better because they do practice this in the training ground every day. I mean, set pieces are practiced, penalty kicks, 
uh, corner kicks, free kicks. Those are, that's all practice stuff that you can actually, almost like in regular football, you can, you can build plays around it. And there was one play I noticed that maybe you guys noticed too, and the announcer actually called it out. Pulsic was going to take a corner kick. He double dribbled the ball which kind of was a secret code for the players to go yeah. wide. That corner kick also did not go as planned because Iran read the play. But had that ball been out and whipped back in, I think that could have been a, a great scoring chance. So you have to watch for that. But it's not a penalty kick. Penalty kicks, 70% of those end up in the back of the net, right? So that's almost a goal. Corner kicks, not so much. Yeah, I mean, just as a just as a fan, because in you know, there's a lot of back and forth in possession. So you're watching the, you know, the I like when they do a, a triangle. You know, the, the there's three guys and they're passing it back and forth. I really I really enjoy that. But it you know, every once in a while it'll lead to a breakout. But the corner kick, you're right there. You're in you're in the the offensive spot. You have a free kick to kick it to one of your guys. To, but they just seem to kind of. I'll pop it up and they try, you know, one guy heads it out and it doesn't, I don't know, I, I, I'm missing something. You, you also need, you know, the U.S. team and doesn't really have this, but you don't, you don't really have players who are great at headers, you know, big guys that can yep. get on a piece of the ball. I mean, we saw Neymar in the first Brazil game. He almost put the ball right into the goal from the corner kick, which is a great thing if you can turn spin the ball that way yep. but it's really rare to do that and so the u.s doesn't have any big men to put the ball in the truth is the u.s has only scored two goals in three games so that's another thing too and you know um so we can talk about that it, you know goals don't come that easily for this team but you know against iran they pulled it out it was a tough game it was a it was a really education education it was an interesting game an exciting game the last you know six minutes geez uh you know every time the the ball got into the uh u.s defensive section you just saw some iranian guy and and i'm not putting an iranian because they all do it some guy would would fall down you know even if no one was around him the guy the guy had had literally had his his hand on the guy's shoulder and he fell fell down the the flopping is really really hard to understand as as a fan yeah with the instant replay the var flopping has diminished but that doesn't mean that teams don't try so for example iran in the first half was looking for a draw the u.s was very aggressive because the u.s needed to win of course after the u.s scored iran never really had the ball but then in that last sequence those extra nine minutes they added and 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 the end of the second half the end of the game you saw iran trying to get a penalty kick and so they exaggerate the flopping thankfully the referee didn't have an off day where he called that a penalty it's not oh he definitely could have that that referee definitely could have he could have and you know a penalty kick in the 97th minute they score that it's 1-1 game over Iran goes through so yeah everybody was biting their nails at that point because the referee could be having an off day or that's kind of a judgment call I mean it was not a penalty kick but I've seen softer ones awarded so definitely I mean I know that you know the the Americans were white knuckling it all the way at the end there was really really rough and you know you can tell in the subs in the second half they put in more defensive players to preserve the lead. You know, 1-0 in soccer is very hard to defend. Iran didn't look as sharp as I saw against Wales. And if you remember in the Wales game, they won 2-0 by scoring two goals in the added time. Yep. So this is a team that, that could do that. And But the Americans showed a lot of heart, a lot of spirit. It was, it was really a lot of fun to watch. You know who I liked was that Arrington guy that they brought in, uh, you know, after the injury. I thought he was very good. I, I, I would I'd hope they'd give him some more playing time. Yeah, he's an interesting player. He started his career with the Philadelphia Union and now played for Leeds in England. Yeah, he's he's one of these players who's very fast on the ball. A lot of yeah, he's very fast and a lot. He had a lot of energy. Brought a lot of energy to the. Yeah, a lot of American players have that. And what I like is that they play. You know, they all play. You know, they have an attacking scheme, but then they also all eleven go back and defend. So you have a lot. You know, they play for each other. They're a young team. It's a real team effort. 
There's no egos on this team, no superstars. And I like that. I mean, the real superstar is Christian Pulisic. He scored the goal. He put his body on the line there. And, you know, he hurt, he hurt his pelvis. He should be back Saturday against the Netherlands in the round of 16 because you want to have him. He's been involved in two U.S. goals, both of them. He assisted on the first one for Wea against Wales, and he scored the what turned out to be the winning goal against Iran. So you need him back for sure. So how does the round of 16 work? This going to be this it's like the NCAA finals basketball, right? They 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 move to the round of 16. Is it is it one and done now? Yeah, so the right this, this the 32 teams become 16. They they seed them in a bracket based on, you know, a, a predetermined, you know, group group B plays against the group A team. So the US is second in group B. They play the first place team in group A, which is the Netherlands. England was the winner of group B. They play the second place team in in group A, which is Senegal opposite sides of the bracket the u.s actually is on the maybe potentially the easier side of the bracket that's if you're aiming for the final of course for the u.s that's that's a huge uh lift um i had the u.s getting here and then losing to the netherlands i'm not so sure now i think this team's got a lot of spirit a lot of momentum it could be a close game the way the games are decided is 90 minutes if it's still a tie you have to go to extra time 30 minutes and after that if it's still a draw you go to penalty kicks the drama of the penalty kicks now comes into play to determine a winner and then the winner moves on the loser goes home and uh, 16 become eight become four you get a winner so yeah i mean i've watched i watched surprisingly two netherlands games i saw the qatar game and i saw the uh, senegal game and uh i thought they played netherlands but again i'm a loser so i know i know nothing about soccer <laughs> but i thought the netherlands played really well against senegal uh you know Qatar obviously was not up to par to, to the rest of these teams and that was pretty obvious um did you see the rumor uh it was before before the the start that somebody so, somebody offered uh i think it was senegal like two million dollars to lose to Qatar. was that did you see that you know it's fine there was an online rumor that ecuador had ecuador same effort you know and then and then ecuador came out guns blazing against qatar i thought you know if that story was true that checked in clear because um clearly or, or no one got the message you know there's so much rumors around qatar you know and qatar was able to get the world cup maybe by buying it but they can get results on the field and they're now they will go down as in history as the poorest host nation. They over three um, scored one goal. I mean, they played pretty, pretty badly and, and worse than I thought. They're the Asian champions. They had looked good the last couple of years. They had been in training camp together for a few months. It just didn't come together for them. We're speaking with Clemente Lise. Of course, Clemente has written a new book. It's called The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Events. You can go on our website, ttmcast.com, click on the link, and you can save 30% off his book. Or you can just find it on Amazon or basically anywhere books are uh, being sold. Clemente, how's the book doing? book is doing great. It's in the top 30 of uh, the Amazon uh, soccer book section, um, which is great. A lot of new soccer books have come out in the last month, obviously. So competing with a lot of, you know, Christian Pulsick has his own book, by the way, which is ahead of mine, but that's what I'm competing against. And so I want to thank everyone out there who's bought my book, uh, your listeners here. Uh, yeah, Pulsick is probably a puff piece. He was, he was just hard hitting. Pulsick is about his life, but he is only like 23 years old. He hasn't, you know, he should have waited 10 more years to write a book, but, uh, but uh, no, he's come through for the U.S. at this tournament so far. So it's been fun to watch. As a superstar, he seems to be lacking that charisma you know that messy charisma i don't you know i i i see that he has that he's a star that he has skill i just i think he's lacking that it yeah well look you know comparing him to messi yeah of course i mean messi is probably only comparable to like the top four all time but i know i know but in terms of american players i do think you know had he stuck around for the second half i think he could have 
bossed that game around a little bit. I think he could have had a second goal. Um, but just the fact that he put his body on the line to score that goal. I mean, you need a, a poacher in the, in the, in the, in the goal area to do that. You need to put your body on there. I mean, that play obviously looks like it was played in the, on the training ground, but you know, he, he collided with the goalie, you know, hurting your pelvis. has got to really hurt. But, um, but there was a picture that he posted on social media afterwards from the hospital bed, like waving, you know, um, and then his teammates all um, went to see him after the game, which was great. I mean, I think, I think they play for each other, which is what has made this team so good and given so much energy. And, you know, the truth is the more the U.S. stays in the tournament, the more people are involved with soccer, the more they're watching it. You know, the U.S.-England uh, Black Friday game, yep. 15.5 million people watched it on Fox, another 5 million on Telemundo. I mean, that's 20 million Americans. It's the highest rated men's soccer game in history. I thought that might be the case given that it was a day off. People were home. They were hangover from Thanksgiving, Turkey and all that. And so they, they watched. And I think Saturday against the Netherlands could be another highly rated game. It's 10 a.m. Eastern time. People were going to be home having breakfast. It, 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 you know, the Iran game was tough for people had to sneak out of work. They had to watch it on their screens, kind of like the first rounds of March Madness, right? Um, yep. You got to get that screen behind the spreadsheet so your boss doesn't see you. Uh, <laughs> but otherwise, I mean, I think, I think you know, it, it, the start times have not been so bad, I think, for the American audience. I mean, some of these 5 a.m. games were, were rough early on, but I think now that we're past that, I think we're okay. The, um, the games have been really close you know the u.s games obviously and i think they need to find some scoring somewhere uh in terms of uh the teams the final 16 teams and i know we're still waiting for a couple today um is there anyone that's really surprised you uh, about getting in that, that you said oh i didn't think they were going to get in i know senegal was kind of a, a dark horse right yeah senegal is like the dark horse that, I, that i'm not surprised i picked netherlands and senegal to go through in that order they got through same thing with u.s england of course france and brazil already through there haven't been any big surprises yet. I mean, we have to still see that we have a couple more days of games and it could be some big, big teams that don't make it like an Argentina or something like that. But otherwise, I think there won't be too many surprises. Um, the truth is, even when they're these Cinderella teams, they don't get to the final. It's really hard to get to because now you have to win four straight games. That's that's really hard against the best teams. You know, right. that's it gets through. So. Uh, but it's a whole new tournament now. It starts all over again, basically, kind of like the playoffs in hockey or basketball. You're starting all over. And in soccer, it's even more um, um, delicate because it is a one and done. I mean, if the U.S. hangs on and does a 1-1 and take the game to penalty kicks, anything could happen on penalty kicks. So sure. the U.S. could get to the quarterfinals, which they haven't done since 2002 at the World Cup 20 years ago. And that's the best they finished ever in the modern era. So it's entirely possible that we keep we keep alive at the tournament and keep watching. So that, that France team is re- is good. That French team is good. I, I I've seen yeah. a couple of their games. They, they look really good. Yeah. So France is missing five players for injury and they still look great. I know against Tunisia. Don't you think they're just fast? Yeah, they're fast. I mean, they're amazing. Kylian Mbappe, who um, is now a top scorer with three goals, you know, his 2018 Panini prism card. That's the one everybody wants the, the base and the parallels. That's only going to grow in value. I mean, he won the World Cup four years ago as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old. Now he's only 22, and he's 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 one of the best players in the world and, and is on target to be maybe one of the best ever. So his values are going to go up. And, and just as France progresses, it'll only make it bigger and better for him, for sure. He's, he's basically leading this team now, so. How's the um, availability of collectibles in, in terms of uh, stickers? It seems like there's a lot of stickers out there, but um, the prism seems to be hard to find. 
Yeah, so it's funny over the Black Friday, you know, weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, I, I kind of went out to Target and I, I didn't find any Panini Prism uh, uh, World Cup in the wild at all. So I, I, did go I didn't see any either. I was out as well. Yeah, I, I saw I plenty of stickers. There's plenty of stickers. Yeah, and, I, and the stickers I haven't really bought in the last week or two because, you know, stickers were fun. But I started so early with my with the stickers, I kind of cooled on them. I'm really into the cards now, into the Prism World Cup. I didn't see any at the stores. I think they never got them or they sold out really quickly. I can't tell. Um, so I did want to scratch that itch. I did go on eBay and buy a few uh, base team sets. People had put team sets together, Germany, Japan, and Cameroon, just to help my base set. Yeah, sure. Um, but um, there's, a, there's a card in there that I think is people might have opened and put aside thinking it's a, he's a nobody. It's a very young player named Cody Gakpo, who plays for the Netherlands. So we'll see him play against the United States. He's got three goals in three games. His rookie card is in this Panini Prism set. You could get that card last week for like a dollar or two and now it's like 40 50 60 dollars wow what's so, his name again cody what cody gakpo g-a-k-p-o he plays for psv eindhoven which is a team in the dutch league but because there are no major manufacturers like tops or panita put out dutch league cards his rookie with the rc logo actually appears in this prism set so a lot of people might have opened it and put it aside saying i never heard of this guy and i had heard very little about him too um, it turns out a few teams in England had, had um, refused to sign him over the summer. And now they're probably um, <laughs> like, oh, we, we but, that one. <laughs> you have that card or you can get on eBay and get it. I, I will confess. I went on eBay after the second Dutch game and got it for $8. But then he, he went on and on Monday or was it? Yeah. On Tuesday scored another goal. So he's a, he's a top scorer with Mbappe. That card now is 50, 50, $60, just the base. So that is a card that we talked about months ago, how that card goes from zero to 50 in a yep. span of a week. So he's a good investment for now. We'll see what he does against the United States. But I think if he gets signed by an English club team like Man United or Leeds or whatever, his star will only grow and that card will go up in value, just like Mbappe's did four years ago when he first uh, emerged. Boy, Mbappe is good. You just, you just have you just see him out there and he's he's a good player. I, yeah, absolutely. He's probably one of the best French players of all time. And he's, like I said, 22 years old. So. We're speaking with Clemente Lise. We're talking to him about World Cup. Of course, he has written a new book, The FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. It is available everywhere books are sold, including Amazon. Clemente's last name is L-I-S-I. So I don't butcher it. L-I-S-I, if you want to find it. Just cut, put put in Clemente Lise. You'll see, you see, you'll get his books on Amazon. He's also there's also a link on our website, ttmcast.com, and you can save 30%. It's a special code. You have to click on that link to save the 30%. It's a great book. Uh, I'm sure if you want to get an autograph, you can send us an email at ttmcast.yahoo.com and Clemente will we'll make arrangements for Clemente to get the book to him and, and sign it. Uh, it's been a, a really fun time. You're, when are you heading out to Qatar? So I'm going to Qatar, I guess, in about a week and a half where I'm going for the final week, semifinals, third place final. So those final four games, that, that's where the, as the British say, the business end of the tournament where that's where it all comes together. Um, and it should be exciting. I, no matter what four teams make it that far, I mean, it's going to be, the finale is always uh, obviously the moment we're all waiting for. And it's funny, we're halfway through the tournament now and it's amazing how this, four day, you know, a four game a day carnival just keeps on going. And now we're going to go to two games a day. But, you know, I don't know about you, but it, I'm insatiable over the four day Thanksgiving break. I watched almost every game. Um, my wife. Yeah, I've been, I, I've been kind of mid. I'm, a, I'm not a, I'm not a passionate soccer fan, but I am really interested in, and I appreciate the artistry and the athleticism. And I'm trying to get, uh, 
learn learn the 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 nuances of it. I as I said earlier, I, I really like when they do go into a triangle and there's three guys and they they pass the ball back and forth and give and goes and uh, you know I like when they run they kind of run set plays like basketball, you know right. you know and yes. and like okay and, and the alley oops coming you know and that's when the breakaways coming and yeah and yeah if you watch Brazil they're like the Harlem Globetrotters of soccer right like they they do that and and so Brazil is always fun to watch even if you're not interested in Brazil Serbia and then if you watch that game. Uh, the Brazilian uh, Richarlson scored a beautiful bicycle kick goal. You know, I mean, that's the kind of stuff where you're like, wow, I'm watching for 90 minutes, but this moment of brilliance is so much fun to watch. So in soccer, it's not just a score. You know, you might have not watched the Iran-US game and said, oh, only one nothing. That must have been a dreadful game. Well, it wasn't dreadful. You had to watch it to really know all the nuance that went into and all the nerves and all that. Yeah, it was was really exciting. I thought, uh, you know, just obviously wanted the US to win, but I, I... You know, I've watched other games as, as well, and that, that I don't have a, a horse in the in the race, so to speak. And I, I, you know, I appreciate it. Just watching, you know, watching Senegal. I was rooting for Senegal. As, as kind of knew they were the underdog, and you could you know that they played they played the hearts out. Yeah, no, Senegal is an example of these African teams that really play with a lot of charisma, a lot of fun to watch, a lot of joy, and celebrations are fun, and they bring a lot of energy, and that's really what you want to see. I think the U.S. does something similar. They're always on the front foot. They're always attacking. They're always trying to create something. Against England, they did that. I mean, if if you didn't know the other team was England, you wouldn't know it was England because the U.S. dominated there. They did. They, I mean, they've dominated the three games they played. Absolutely. Maybe for 20 or 30-minute stretches, of three games combined, they didn't. But for 200 plus minutes, they definitely dominated, for sure. Well, what has the feedback been um, in the soccer community uh, for Qatar as a host for the World Cup? Is it uh, gone smoothly? Is there any surprises? I know I've seen on social media that the, their security is pretty tight, and they're they're, they're keeping uh, you know stuff uh, flags out. They have the the rainbow. Uh, logo in and stuff like that so what has been the feedback of Qatar as the host yeah on the pre-tournament and the first week this was a dominant news story the whole um politics and it was all over with Iran and the United States geopolitics playing a role uh the LGBTQ rights the uh human uh uh rights workers all, all that stuff but as I predicted as the tournament progresses and the storylines get richer and the teams that remain are stronger the storyline kind of leaves the feet off the field and really focuses on the field. And I've seen a lot less in the last week than I did the first week in terms of discussions. We did have our first um, field invasion a couple of days ago. And it was this fan who had a, he had a rainbow flag in one hand, a pro Ukraine on the front of the shirt and a Iran pro Iran, you know, hijab thing on the back. So he covered like every protest. <laughs> but, but security has been so tight that you haven't seen that. I mean, at the world cup final four years ago, there was a pitch invasion, they call it, right? There was like three women ran on the field. It's extremely hard to do that at the World Cup because there's so much security around, you know, terrorism and other fears and for the player safety, obviously. But um, I think we're seeing less and less of it. It's still a storyline, obviously. I mean, it's still sort of part of the backdrop. Um, and this is kind of the FIFA. FIFA made their bed 12 years ago when they picked Qatar as a host. And here we are. But I think the stories on the field have been so much better and more fun to follow and the fans really want to do that i don't want to diminish what happened off the field but the off the field stuff has been repetitive at this point we know what the problems are off the field we know qatar is a problem host why are we watching world cup during thanksgiving we're over all that like we have to sort of move on from that it is strange that we're doing this now but i think like i said 
people get lost in the games, they get lost in the soccer, get lost in the beauty of the, of the sport. And hopefully we can focus on that a little bit going forward without diminishing the other stuff off the field. And maybe, you know, maybe we learn something about Qatar and maybe Qatar can learn something about us as well in this process. How has the crowds been in terms of uh, tickets for the games? And uh, it seems it seems like the stadium is packed. So I, yeah, I, was, I sure. was commenting to my daughter that when Qatar is playing at home and they have a full house, because the Qataris are wearing white, it looks like empty seats, but they're not empty seats. They're actually seats. They're people in those seats. Um, but it's been amazing. The number of Americans have gone there. I mean, the US-Iran game, you had half the stadium was pro-Iran because of, you know, they're so close. And the other half was American fans that flew over there, which is extraordinary. American fandom has really grown the last 30 years. So there've been a lot of visitors there. And considering the millions of people that show up to a country that small, there really haven't been that many problems that we've heard about. So it's been, it's pretty, you know, and the Brazilian fans and the African fans, I mean, there's a lot, you know, Fox and the international feed we're getting on TV goes out of its way to show the crowd shots. And the crowd shots are always a lot of fun, a lot of enthusiasm in the stands, which is what a World Cup should, should have. I, you know what, I, I haven't noticed as much of the chanting, and maybe that's because it's not a home game for for anyone, so to speak. Um, when you watch, you know, watch the pro the pro league, or you watch even, uh, you know, any, any of the the um, those are England. those are organized fan groups that club teams have. Like yeah, United, and you, you don't get that at world club level because the fans don't know each other; they just show up. And there's impromptu chanting, you know, and that way the, the fans aren't that much different from the teams. The teams got put together a week before the tournament, haven't played together much. And all things considered, there's a lot of chemistry on the field. I mean, the, the Americans look like they've been playing together. They really week, do. Every week for years. And that's not the case at all. They they play together every once, every couple of months. But they, they've they been able to channel that through training and through, and through their professionalism, which I think the fans suffer the same thing. There's no coordinated effort. There's actually a story in the New York Times about uh, last week about how a lot of the Qatar fans are actually imported from nearby countries to cheer on Qatar because there aren't enough Qataris to cheer on the team. So <laughs> it, is, it is interesting what teams will do to try to get a home field advantage. Of course, in Qatar's case, it didn't much help. So, Well, speaking with Clemente Lisi, Clemente, of course, is our soccer expert. We are talking to him. He is author of the brand new book, The FIFA World Cup, A History of the Planet's Biggest Sporting Event. Go check it out. It's on Amazon. You can go to our website, ttmcast.com. You can save 30% off. The, it's a great book. Make sure you check that out. Clemente is heading to Qatar in about a week, and he, we're gonna, he's going to report back from Qatar. We're going to have our first international guest, I think. We, we had somebody from Israel, so we'll have somebody from uh, – we'll talk to Clemente directly from Qatar, which is going to be really exciting. What's on your, your wish list when you go to Qatar in terms of getting collectibles? Yeah, so, you know, I was doing a little snooping around the internet because I'm curious, and they did, Panini did put out an eight-sticker set that is only available at McDonald's in the Middle East, okay? Nice. So just the Middle Eastern countries. Those sets are selling on, on eBay for $50 to $100. My goal is, and this is not should be no one's goal, but it is going to be my goal, is to get to a couple of McDonald's in Doha. <laughs> I get these stickers kind of like the um, Tim Hortons uh, hockey version, yeah. right? When you're in Canada, so I'm going to be hitting a couple of McDonald's wherever they are in Doha and trying to get these stickers together. It's only eight cards, only only eight stickers that Panini made these extra stickers, but they're only available. The ones that you can see on eBay are, are, are being sold out of Saudi Arabia, the UAE. So people in those countries realize there's demand around the world. So we talked about food collectibles and food cards and all that. And so McDonald's did put out a set just for the Middle East. 
So I'm, I'm, I'm aiming for that. In addition to obviously eating some of the local cuisine, I should, I should say that too, of course. But, uh, but I'm always like to go to McDonald's in other countries because they're always a little different and there's always a little bit of a, a, a national flair. So I'd be curious. I will report back to you on what McDonald's is like in Qatar. So. All right. You're going to have to hold up the stickers when you get them for, from McDonald's. Yes. We'll, My we'll goal is to get them, of course. Who knows on availability, but maybe I'll get them. If, and if not, I might hunker down and go on eBay. But since I'm going there in about 10 days, I'm, my goal is to get those. That, 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 that's, that's all the ones I know about, but there might be other hidden things. I mean, there's also, also pins. I love to get World Cup pins and and there's all, a lot of stores um, wherever the host country is always has lots of pins and t-shirts. Everybody I know in my family wants a t-shirt, so I have to get t-shirts for everybody. So I have a couple, you know, and Christmas is coming. So I actually, actually have, you know, I might do stocking stuffers from Qatar for my kids. Yeah, you got to bring an empty bag just to bring all the swag back, right? Yeah, exactly. Or, or just carry or just basically pack one pair of pants and two shirts and just make a lot of room in my luggage but yeah oftentimes i mean in 2010 at the world cup i bought a vuvuzela one of those big horns because you had to buy one of those right so i still have that you know uh, 12 years later i, I rarely use it of course when am i going to use a, a gigantic horn but you want to get those things as mementos from these trips and from these tournaments which are you know um, are global international but at the same time the host nation adds its own sort of flair to it its own national flair that i like yeah, I mean, I think this is really leading up to um, World Cup in four years when it's in the U.S., right? That I yeah, think yes. I think that a lot of companies are going to be behind it. I think the team is going to be good because they're young, you know, as long as no one gets hurt. And uh, I think it's really I think they're I think U.S. soccer is kind of positioning for the World Cup in four years. Would you agree? Yeah, of course. Having a team that's only 24 years, 25 years average, they'll be 28, 29 in four years prime, right? Um, the U.S. will co-host the World Cup with Mexico and Canada, so it'll be like a North American World Cup. It'll be a 60-game tournament because there's um, 48 teams, so it's a much bigger tournament. 40 of those games will be hosted in the United States, so the United States will host the bulk of those games. Canada will play in Canada, of course. Mexico will play in Mexico. There's still a debate over where the final will be held. Um, a couple of venues are going for it, SoFi Stadium in L.A., uh, the Dallas Cowboys uh, Stadium in, in Dallas, of course, which is a beautiful facility and then MetLife Stadium in New York City so those three stadiums are kind of positioning themselves to host the final I, you know as a, as a new, proud New Yorker I could say I hope the World Cup final is in New York New York is a big global international city I bet it goes to Dallas I'm just that, that, that's my yeah because Jerry Jones is very cozy with some FIFA officials and and right if you look at who's the most powerful of those three definitely Jerry Jones and the Cowboys are so I think it might end up there but I I think when people think America they don't think Dallas unless they think the old TV show I think you think New York or LA but I think you may be right. I think if I was a betting man, I'd bet on Jerry Jones. <laughs> yeah, I mean that facility is fabulous. Not to, and, and the one in LA is nice too. The New York New York is is a little old. They they could use a new stadium, but yeah, well, MetLife is not that old, but it's not as nice as the other ones for sure. Um, and when the U.S. hosted the World Cup in '94, they did have it in LA in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl, which is kind of funny because the Rose Bowl today would would never host a game that important. But but right. It's and a pit now. <laughs> it was it was old then, but yeah, it has no roof. It has no amenities. Um, we've come a long way in terms of stadiums. America always has some of the most beautiful facilities in the world, of course. So, all right, Clemente, I wish you safe travel. We will talk to you from Qatar in a couple, maybe two weeks. Right? We'll give you yeah. uh, no, we'll give you some traveling, and, and then two weeks we'll be down to what are we going to be down to the final eight? We'll be down. The final eight will have ended, so we'll be down to the final four then. Final four, final four. So we'll have we'll have a lot to talk about. Hopefully, you pick up some cool collectibles that you can show off. 
Uh, guys, check out Clemente's book. It is the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting events. It's available anywhere books are sold. It is available on Amazon. It is available on our website. Go to ttmcast.com. Click on the link. The, you'll see a, a link for Clemente's book. And if you click on that you, and you use the code, you'll be able to save 30% off. You have to do it there, though. You can't do it anywhere else. So 30% off. It's a great book. And if you you want to get it autographed, I'm sure we can make arrangements uh, with that as well. Clemente, again, I wish you safe travels and enjoy the the games in the next the next week. And hopefully, we'll at least get uh, U.S. to one one win. I'd like to see him beat Netherlands. I'm, I'm not I'm not predicting it, but it'd be nice to see. Yeah, you know, we're playing with the you know with house money now, so yep. I'm happy with that. But of course, winning would be fabulous, and the more they win, the better it is. All right, pal. You have a have a good trip. Thank you. I know soccer, Drew. He know he knows this stuff. Yeah. Hopefully, guys, don't forget about Clemente's book. It's the FIFA World Cup: A History of the uh, Plants. Best game, most popular game. Check it out on Amazon. Uh, check out his book. We sent out a, an autographed copy of book to one of our listeners who won won in a raft the raffle uh, last week. So make sure you check that out. Clemente will be with us in two weeks. All right, Drew. What time is it? Time for it's time for fast forward football. Time to hit that button. Fast forward football, guys. Drew and I making our picks right now. Hit fast forward right now. Fast forward football. I don't, part of me wants to end this stupid segment. <laughs> <laughs> and the other part of me wants to sit there, stick around and see if we can ever go five and oh, because you and I. Now we're doing, this is our, our second year doing this. We're on week 12 or 13 or whatever this is. Yep. And we haven't gone five and oh, which is unbelievable. That the, the two knuckleheads that we are, we can't, we can't go five and oh. We've gone yeah. four and one though, but we can't go five and oh. Well, Drew beat me two to, I was two and three last week. Drew was three and two. The freaking Kansas City Chiefs kick a meanless field goal, knowing full well that they were a uh, 15 point favorite or 14 point favorite and they won by 15 Oof. so they get drew drew won that game and won the week we are now standing at i'm winning three wins for me six losses and three ties so drew it's getting pretty gonna be pretty hard for me to win this thing but i'll, I'll do my best i've had enough oh and five weeks before that you've you've still got a chance i mean let's yeah we'll see we'll see all right we got five games this week my new england patriots were Odd, awful on Thursday. I'm so glad. I I would have de definitely picked the Bills on that one. Uh, so we don't have to pick. We don't have to pick the Bill, the Patriots this week, which is a good thing for Drew because I think Drew is like one in eleven with the Patriots games this year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right. First game, Drew. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Atlanta Falcons. Two teams that really don't know who they are or what they want to do. Right. I think yeah. they both. They're both confused. One week the Steelers come out and look like world beaters. Then the next week they come out and look like they couldn't beat, uh, you know, the, the worst team in college football. So Pittsburgh at Atlanta. Atlanta is giving one and a half points. Who do you like, Drew? I have to go with what I always do in this situation, and I'm taking the Falcons just because screw the Steelers. So. Okay, you're going to take Falcons at home? Yes. All right, I'll take Pittsburgh because I if I take Falcons with you, I'm not, I don't have a, chance, have, a, have a chance to win this thing. <laughs> all right we're gonna go the jets j-e-t-s with michael white mike white is the quarterback boy what do you throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns last week yeah that was a, just out of nowhere it seemed like yeah. and they are playing at the minnesota vikings the minnesota vikings are giving three and a half points which is, seems kind of weird that 
Vegas would look at, at this as kind of a push because you get three points as a home home team, right? Yeah. So they're looking at it as a push. I'm going to go with the Vikings because I don't think the Jets are real, but we'll see. Who do you like, Drew? I was going to go with the with the Vikings as well, so I'm going to stick with that. And yeah, just uh, I don't know. I don't I don't know about the Vikings at all. They've just been kind of inconsistent here lately, but I don't trust the Jets in the slightest. So yeah, I mean, other than the Buffalo game, they really haven't beaten anybody i don't think right right so we'll see all right we have your cleveland browns who looked great last week at the texans right the texans are getting seven points mm-hmm. uh the texans can't get they get out of their way and they can't score at all um but go ahead you make the pick deshaun watson wants to come out and prove that he's still got it after you know being away for a year and a half unfortunately i think the texans also are going to come out and try to you know shut him the hell up but Seven is not that much against a team like the Texans. I have to go with the Browns. All right. I'm going to take the Texans just again because I need I need some wins on <laughs> against you. All yeah. right. We have the Indianapolis, Indianapolis Colts at the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys are giving nine and a half points. Wow. Nine and a half points. It's a lot of points for, for the Cowboys. So mm-hmm. I'm going to take the Colts. Points. I feel like. I could see this one going either way. I'm going to hold my breath and take the Cowboys on this one. I think, I mean, they've got the, uh, they've got the offense to be able to overcome nine and a half points, but do they have the defense to do it? Uh, we'll see. We'll take the Cowboys. Yeah. I mean, Jeff Saturday is a rookie coach, right? And he made it, he yeah. made some mistakes last week. I think he's going to learn from those mistakes. I think the Colts are talented enough to keep the game close. Yeah. All right. Last game, Monday night, the New Orleans Saints at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are giving three and a half points again they're looking this as a push drill right I, I don't surprise, yeah i don't understand it i'm gonna go with tom brady in the box what do you like bucks didn't really impress me last week against the browns so i'm gonna i'm gonna take the saints i'm gonna just i'm i don't know i've got a good feeling about the saints here okay good all right guys so we're we're basically uh different every team except the jets in minnesota so if you have a lot of money put it on the jets because the jets, yeah. the jets are going to guarantee to win that game yeah all right guys welcome back welcome back come on back we're done with football picks for the week next up we're going to hear from Les wolf and more with less and now it's time for more from less with hobby legend Les wolf well drew as i said earlier all I do is serve up a topic to Les, and I just let him go. We just, look, yep. we just—it's like a, a thoroughbred race horse, right? You see, sitting in the gate, we just open the gate and run. So Les, we talk about everything that's happening in uh, in baseball and sports. We also talk. Les is going to be at the Philadelphia Card Show this weekend. So if you're in Philly at the Card Show, make sure you stop by, say hello to Les. But here's my uh, my time with Les Wolf. Please enjoy it. All right, guys, it's that time again. Time to catch up with our friend Les Wolf. We met, missed Les last week because of Thanksgiving, and but he's now healthy and raring to go. Les Wolf, of course, is owner of Les Wolf Sports LLC, has been in the hobby for over 60 years, knows more about autographs than just about anyone in the world. And we're going to talk to Les about what's going on in the hobby and what's going on in sports in general. Welcome, Les. Welcome, Jeff. How are you? Good. I missed you last week. It's not the same week with it when I don't when I get my less fix. You know, I'll pay you for that answer uh, later. <laughs> the check's in the mail. 
Hey, it's been really busy with a lot of sports stuff going on. Have you been watching the World Cup at all? And uh, do you dabble in soccer collectibles? Uh, I don't deal much in soccer, only because I don't have the opportunity to get it. But I'm sure that uh, the kid that got hurt in the goal that scored, I'm sure his stuff has gone up. Yeah, and, and that turn of the goal, he's had a real good. He hasn't allowed a goal yet, so that's been good. But have you had a, any any demand increased demand for from are your customers looking for soccer stuff? Not really, no. No, I'm, I'm I don't I can't tell if the country's grabbed on the World Cup or not. I've I've been kind of interested in it, but I'm not sure if the country is. Oh, well, I don't think so. But I'll let you know. I'm doing a Philly show this weekend. That's so what I was going to ask you. Over there. Philly, Philly show this weekend. You got um your booth. You what? You bring any, anything special down? Uh, what am I bringing down special? A nice John McGraw album page, uh, check stub, a really nice Tony Lazari autograph. Uh, I've got a bunch of different stuff. Any Philly related stuff? Any Dr. J stuff or any uh, Flyers mm-hmm. stuff? I'm sure I have eight by tens of some of the guys from Philly. I can't remember off the top of my head. Like Jim Tomey, I know I have. But do you try the, to uh, when you when you set up for a show? Do you try to bring stuff down for for that area, or do you have just kind of a standard fare that you bring with you? I kind of have the standard stuff, unless they come up with something different. Do you uh, are they envisioning a busy show down in Philly this weekend? I mean, it's it's. I think the hobby's still pretty hot, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think so. It should be good. It's a holiday season. No, I know uh, you you mentioned the holiday season, and uh, I know on your site, Les Wolf Sports LLC, and on your uh, eBay page, you got a lot of stuff you're selling. What are some of the the hot items for Christmas gifts or holiday gifts? Um, Everything's hot as long as 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 you want to buy it, but I would say Babe Ruth, uh, Babe Ruth 8x10. I got a really nice Jimmy Fox 8x10, Ruth Garrett Ball. Stuff like that, Ali, Lithos, uh, you name it, just about, I've got it. So in all different sports, so depends on what you want and what and who it's for. It's always fun to give a sports gift. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw, I posted uh, one of my clients uh, gave a nice J-Hook baseball. J-Hook is the, the guy that won the first Met game ever in 62, and he wrote and inscribed on the ball, first New York Met win ever, the date in 62, and uh, the woman was ecstatic. She's a huge Met fan. So uh, I posted that around and just, you know, I just love seeing people's reactions when they get surprised with a great sports gift. I love the uh, Sandy Koufax jersey that you have. Did you sell that yet? No, I haven't. That, that's, a, that's a beautiful jersey with the Sandy Koufax signature and the inscription and stuff. And it's a, it, it, it's a, uh, a replica though, right? No, it's a Michelin Ness. It's the real deal. It is cool. Yeah, it's really nice. So we're talking with Les Wolf from Les Wolf Sports LLC. You go to leswolfsportsllc.com to see all the stuff he has. Les has been, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of uh, chatter in New York with, with Aaron Judge going to visit San Francisco. Do you think he's going to end up with the, uh, the Giants or do you think it's going to go back to the Yankees? I don't think the Giants stadium is built for him. So if, if he were to go there, his numbers are going to drastically drop. But I, I don't know. I think he's basically going to go with the money talk with money talks. And Yankees uh, gave everybody else a number to, to shoot for. So what they have to do is beat it.
Well, what was it? Three hundred million for eight years seven, or something? Seven that was years, the number. I think. Seven years, I think it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I was watching baseball tonight. I don't think the Yankees want to go more than seven or eight years. I don't think they want to go ten on him. They'd be crazy if he's already thirty years old. No, I know. But do you think uh, his the stuff, the value of his stuff, is going to drop a little if he doesn't re-sign with the the uh, Yankees or signs with the Mets? I would say, um, yeah, I think so, definitely. Are the Mets showing interest in him or no? I saw something in the paper that they were. What do you What do you think of Mattingly going to the Blue Jays as a bench coach? Um. I think it's a good move by him. I wish the Yankees would have been smart enough to do something like that, but apparently not. I know. Is there a rift there that we're not hearing about between Madeline and the Yankees? I don't think so. You I just don't think. I don't. You think just so. don't think they want. To. I I thought he was going to go back to New York. Uh, who are the, do you think who are the Yankees uh, looking for? Are you looking forward to uh, the baseball winter meetings coming up this weekend? <laughs> Excuse me. I, I think what you know what I've heard. That they're talking about it. If Judge doesn't sign, the Yankees are going to sign Trey Turner and maybe Xander Bogarts. Um, Do they have room for both of them? Yeah, probably put one at second or one at third and one at short. I don't know. You don't think you don't think they're going to bring Glaber back? What are they talking about trading him for Pablo Lopez during the season? Well, he, I don't know. Is he I a mean, free, Glaber's a free agent, though, right? No, Glaber. I think has one more year left. Oh, so, more years left. So if they sign, if they make those six signings, they'll get rid of Glaber. Well, they got to first get rid of uh, Donaldson and uh, and Hicks. They got to free up some salary. Yeah, I don't think they'll get anyone to sign Donaldson. I don't know about Hicks. Hasn't Hicks was hurt last year, right? He played. Okay. He well, I know they got good. Harrison. They got Harrison Bader that they got to. They got to put in somewhere. He'll probably be center fielder. Yes, sir. How are you doing on uh, TTM returns? Have you gotten any TTM returns lately? Who did I get back? I think I told you I got back Phil Sims, um, Jeff Mullins. I got back. I got a still. I got a couple still out there: Travolta, Rod Laver, and Dollar Bill Bradley. Those are all, they've been out there for a while, huh? Since August of of this year. Are you get uh, are you get any more that you're going to be sending out before the end of the year? Oh, and I also got back. Well, again, I also got back Paul Warfield. Okay, on a picture. No, I got him on a, a jersey card. Listen, I like I like to get the jersey card signed. I have one out to Wade Boggs. How about, I was going to mention um, Gaylord Perry passed away uh, today. Nice guy. Uh, I also got back Rick Mears. On his 500 uh, Indy 500 ticket, and I don't remember sending it to him so creased up, but it came back really creased up. Oh, don't you hate that? Yeah. So he 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 threw in an eight by ten with it. It was nice of him. What did you, um, did you ever meet Gaylord Perry? Do you have any every had yeah, any interaction with him? Yeah, he was a super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna have uh, some some Gaylord Perry stuff on for sale at the uh, show in Philly? Yeah, I have a few things. I mean, he unfortunately he's not he wasn't a big seller. You know, people don't he's not in a, an in demand kind of guy. Do you do you what do you, what do you think of the how um players the demand for players goes up once they, they pass? This is kind of weird to me. 
Uh, yeah, well, people, that's that's the peak of the market then. You know, people want them as soon as they pass. They want to want to buy them because they didn't have them or they go crazy on it. So I, I've seen that spike up, but it spikes and then it, go, it settles back down and plateaus at a certain number. Have you seen the Willie Mays documentary on HBO? I keep on missing it. It's it's very very good. It's very well done. Um, and uh, Barry Bonds is in it, and he's you know obviously he's Willie's godson, and he come ac comes across really uh, well. You know, a really he comes across as being a really nice guy, and I don't know. I, I think it's going to do a lot for his his um, perception. If he Mays comes off as a nice guy, Bonds. Oh, Bonds. Barry Bonds. Yeah. He, he's got to do something for his uh, for his stuff. Yeah, was, the documentary is pretty good. They showed some cards. They had a lot of a lot of interview with Willie Mays, but they also interviewed a bunch of you know Dusty Baker and Bonds, and uh, you know it was just, I, I thought it was well done, and they they had a lot of archival footage as well. Mm. I don't know how recent that the interview was with Willie, but he he seemed pretty good. I I had thought he was. He was ill, but and he's had trouble seeing. But I, he looked pretty good in the in the interview. Well, he he he's got really bad glaucoma, so he's having a lot of trouble seeing. So they pro they probably just covered that up. Is that is that why he doesn't do shows anymore because of yeah. health? That's what I heard. Yeah. Had, did you had you met him before? Have you met Willie before? Um, yes, I have. Is it was he a good signer back in the day? Did you get to get him out at a you know out at a hotel or at an event? I used to get him at Shea Stadium when he come in when he was a Met batting uh, when he played for the Mets and when he was a batting coach. And he was he was a pretty good signer. Yes, sir. Because he was didn't he was uh, tied in with Mickey Mantle in the casinos down in um, New Jersey, yeah, he was, right? He was a greeter. Sorry. Yes, he was a greeter with Mantle. Yeah. Atlantic City. Just a, a, a different time. Well, we're speaking with Les Wolf. We do more from Les with Les Wolf uh, Sports. You go to leswolfsportsllc.com. You can email Les at lwolf1823 at aol.com. Keep an AOL alive. I'm proud of you, Les. You can reach him by email at lwolf1823 at aol.com. Or you can go to his website, leswolfsportsllc.com. He's got all sorts of stuff for the, your favorite sports fan for the holidays. Um, anything else you want to talk about today, Les? I think a big topic, you know, like I said before, we spoke a little bit, is the uh, World Cup. And I think it's really great that the United States is making a good showing in it. And, you know, hopefully it'll, it'll bring up more of a fan base for it. Yeah, I think I think really in four years when the World Cup is back in the United States, I think that's going to be, um, you know, it's crescendo. It's going to it's going to it's going to I think everything's building up for the World Cup in the U.S. and Canada in four years. That's uh, I agree. Have you did you ever go to any uh, World Cup games when they were here a few years ago? No, I did not. Have you? No. I, you know, I, I like to, I like to if they, it comes that they talk about do, uh, playing in New York or maybe even in uh, Gillette because you know the New England Revolution are pretty popular here, so they're talking about maybe having a game or two here, which would be nice. We'll find out soon enough. 
Yeah, I've never I've never been to a um, MLS game, um, but one of these days it's it's interesting. So I'm not a huge soccer fan per se, but I've been watching the World Cup and it's it's entertaining. These guys are great athletes. Oh, absolutely. Have you um, have you been uh, following this whole thing with tops and the the buyback thing where you, if you put in uh, uh, it was a Goldschmidt or judge card you got twenty dollars off your next purchase is that, that i never heard of anything like that that's kind of a, a different take for the for tops don't you think? I think that's ridiculous to tell you the truth yeah i'm not i'm not quite sure where you know they, i guess think that just trying to get as much interest as possible it seems to be a lot of baseball cards still left on the shelves on a retail level yeah that's true there is a lot of stuff still left on the retail level you know well, i'm interested to cards. see I'm interested to see how you do at the Philly show. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. We'll get a, a full report. Uh, hopefully uh, you have uh, a lot of traffic and a lot of, a lot of make a lot of sales. Um, it'll be interesting to see what's kind of hot in the hobby. You know, it, it, it it's our hobby is so cyclical and sometimes, uh, you know, players get hot and then they cool off and uh, cards get hot and they cool off. And I, I always like to see what's the, the buzz from the show and the Philly show is a pretty good show. Are you going to get any autographs at the show? I don't think so. No, no, I don't. I mean, I just got, uh, I just got Palmero on my 500 home run ball. I need it. I have oh, one, ball, one ball to complete everybody, all 25 guys that needs a ride. I have three others that need, that need bonds. So let's hope bonds get us in the hall of fame. Then God knows what it's going to cost me to get them on three baseballs, but I'm going to have to uh, fork it up and finish, finish three uh, 500 home run balls and an a ride will make four. Does does A Rod do many signings? I don't haven't seen him lately. No, he did. He was doing a show with uh, Michael K. Uh, on Sunday nights during the baseball season, but I didn't, get around, I didn't get around to doing it. So, how where'd you get? Did you get Camaro in person? Did you get him, or did you send him off to a signing? No, I, I got him. Uh, he he did a show. I got him at a show. Oh, and you went to see him? Yes, sir. How was how was the line for Palmero? Was a lot of people there trying to get him? Not that many. It wasn't bad. Did uh, the um, I think during the baseball winter meetings, we're going to hear about any of these guys getting into the hall, you know, including Clemens and Bonds and uh, A Rod and Manny and uh, whoever, Fred McGriff. Do you think any of these guys are going to get in? Yeah, I think they. I think some of them should get in, but who knows? You know. If you if you had a vote, who who would you put in? Who would I put in? Uh, I would put in Clemens and Bonds. I would too, because th their stats. You know, people seem to forget. Yes, they did steroids, but before steroids were pre were prevalent in sports, at least in baseball, these guys had Hall of Fame careers before that. How about Manny? Manny deserves to be in. He certainly has the numbers. I know he was. So does Albert Bells. So does Don Mattingly. So does Kurt Schilling. I mean, there's still a lot of guys that deserve to be in there. How about um, Garvey or, or Veda Pinson? I think I think Veda Pinson should have been in years ago. I think Garvey should be in. I think Munson should be in. Yeah, Munson. I don't know how how or why Munson's not in. He did it. He basically did everything in baseball you could have done. Well, there's a, there's a lot of politics in sports. No, oh, I know. All right, pal. Well, thank you very much. I wish you best of luck in Philadelphia. We will talk okay. to you. Talk to you next week. Thank you. Everything good by you.
All good. All good here. All right. Thank you, Les. I'll talk to you later. All right. Take care. Be well. You too. Drew Les is the best. He oh, just, yeah. He just riffs. He, yep. he knows he knows so much. It's fun, fun to get his opinion. Hopefully you guys enjoy uh, having us having Les on the program. If you have a question for Les, all you have to do is send us an email at ttmcast at yahoo.com. Yeah, and we'll 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 pose it to Les. And you know, Les also does appraisals and stuff. So if you have a have something that you're wondering if uh, what it's worth, or if you have a autograph you want to see if it's real or not, Les is pretty good at, at that as well. So send us an email too. TTMcast at yahoo.com. Well, that wraps up more from Les. More or less. Next up is making the grade. Making the Grade is sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. Well, Making the Grade is a summary of what's going on in the grading community. I just want to remind everyone that CSG has extended their sale of 20% off all grading services through the end of the year. So it's good through the end of December, uh, December 31st. I don't think they're going to continue it. I, that isn't 100% booking book that, and that's going to happen. But I don't see them continue it starting the new year. So if you've been kind of on the fence about getting card graded, now's kind of now's the time. Check it out. CSG 20% off all grading services. Go to csgcards.com for more information and to submit your cards. So we got some grading numbers for November. We do indeed. Yeah, all the uh, big four companies have put out their uh, info there. PSA, 994,000 cards have come through their offices. It's down 5% from October. CSG, 133,000 cards, down 2% from October. Beckett, down 3%, 50,000 cards going through there. And SGC, down 13%, 70,000 cards have gone through there. Of course, there's you know a couple of days, two or three days off there for Thanksgiving. So, of course, the numbers will probably be a little bit lower because of that. That kind of explains the drops there. But still, I mean, good to see that the uh, grading side is healthy there. I mean, you're seeing what? about one and a quarter million cards getting graded in just the month of November between those four companies. Yeah. You know what, when I look at the list now, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised that CSG has been climbing up the board and they're, they're kind of number two in terms of getting cards graded now consistently for the last quarter. Right, Drew? Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, some great numbers right there out of them and good to see. I mean, anytime you can get another company in there, providing a little bit of competition, a little bit of variety, I'm always in favor of it. And I was surprised that Beckett, remember Beckett had that really slow month when they went moved to their new facility. And yeah. they, I don't think they've recuperated from that. Yeah, I think, I mean, they may be behind a little bit on things. I mean, I know I got stuff authenticated over there and they're meeting their 45 day turnaround on authentications, but on grading, I think they're still a little bit behind on things there. So uh, I think when I last, I saw something take like 90 days or something like that. So about double the time there, but yeah, I mean, the way that I mean, I like I love Beckett as a company. They're close by to me and everything. I've got friends who work over there. But for me, when it comes to grading, I would definitely take, you know, a PSA CSG for authentication. I'm going to go to Beckett, though. So there you go. I mean, it, everybody's going to find their niche in the grading in the grading and authentication industry. Yeah, and they've always Beckett's been found it that way. They, Beckett's always been very good to us as a show. They've always, anytime we've asked them to come on, they've they've been great coming on. As is PSA as well. I haven't had anyone from CSGC on, but um, you know the grading companies as a whole have been very receptive and and, and great to deal with. So uh, you know we're we're rooting for everyone. We 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 want if everyone's succeeding, that means our hobby is doing great, and we we love that. Well, that wraps up making the grade. 
Next step is TTM Cast stamp of approval. I bet you're wondering who earned this week's TTM Cast stamp of approval. It's the only time I get to use my radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> the TTM Cast stamp of approval is just what it is. It's stuff that Drew and I like. We know we like stuff other than cards. We like like stuff other than sports sometimes, and sometimes we do food, sometimes we do movies, sometimes we do TV shows. It's just stuff that we like. We want to push, point you guys in the, the right direction, and prove that we just don't sit in a room and, and sort baseball cards the, every second of the day. So, Drew, why don't you let people know of your stamp approval for the week? All right. Well, mine has to go with. I've got to go with the World Cup upsets that have happened so far. I mean, we're into the. Starting the round of 16, as we record this, I actually have the USA and Netherlands game on in the background here as well, which uh, unfortunately the World Cup upsets are not continuing so far. Now we're at halftime and Netherlands are up to nothing on the U.S. right now, but we've seen some great ones so far. I mean, just individual games. You had Saudi Arabia beating Argentina the first, what, first couple of days of the tournament there, which I mean, yep. that touched off a national holiday in Saudi Arabia when that happened. Uh, just the, uh, you had in the middle, uh, middle set of games there, Ghana beating South Korea three to two and, uh, on the third set of games, Cameroon beating Brazil one nothing. So uh, one big upset in each round there, it seemed like. And then just in the group stage overall, Australia getting into the next round over Denmark. Australia's the 38th ranked team in the world on FIFA's rankings. Denmark was 10th. And for Denmark to come out with only one point and Australia take the number two spot in there, that is huge out of that one. Uh, Japan getting in over Germany. Japan was, I think, somewhere around 22 24 somewhere like that. i think they're 24 germany misses out there in the top 10 easily huge upset right there and the biggest one to me is morocco number 22 country in the fifa rankings getting in over belgium the number two ranked team in the world i mean belgium was one of my picks to be okay they're going to be in the final four watch them they have a good chance of winning it and no they don't even get out of the group stage that is just that's shocking and that's to me that's one of the great things about the world cup is that you never know who's going to pull off a crazy upset like that which favorite is going to end up going home early. And it just also kind of shows that, hey, FIFA, maybe you need to look at your rankings a little bit better. Because, I mean, Ghana came in ranked as the bottom team, and they were in it all the way up until the last day of that opening round. So check those rankings there, guys. I think you can do a little bit better on some of these. But World Cup upsets are my stamp of approval for the week. Did you watch the Brazil game yesterday? I didn't. I had the other game on when that was going on, so I ended up missing that one. Yeah, they – it was so weird, right? They needed two goals. Cameroon needed two goals to advance. And they it was nothing, nothing all the way. And they scored a goal. And I think it was extra time or pretty close yeah. to extra time, right? Yeah, it was 90 so, plus two, I think. Yeah. So they needed it. So they score the goal. Their best player rips off his, off his top, his, his uniform top. He gets thrown out. So now they're playing uh, down one player. And they're spent, sitting there wasting like three minutes celebrating when they yeah. needed another goal i didn't it was like dude guys go play you're, you're wasting all this time it didn't make mm -hmm. any sense yeah and um, i mean who knows they may have just realized that hey we're probably not going to i mean it's brazil they had given up one they hadn't given up a single shot on goal over their first two games much less even a long one in the net so even getting one goal against brazil was huge and at that point it's like are we really going to get a second one? Uh, let's just celebrate the hell out of this goal. Yeah, it was know. a pretty goal. The, the guy got yeah. a pretty goal, and it, you know, it was a, it was kind of a header type type goal. It was, it was a pretty goal, but and I've I've really enjoyed the World Cup this year. I've been following it a little more, uh, and you know, we we had Clemente on talking about it, and he's gonna he's going to uh, camp, uh, Qatar uh, in a couple of weeks, and he's going to be there for the semifinals and the finals. So um, he'll be reporting back and, and uh, giving us some 
some uh, feedback from that and there's some collectibles, special collectibles that are only available at in Qatar that is going to pick up and it'll be it'll, it'll be a fun interview coming up but thank you the, I, I enjoy the World Cup in the upsets. Well my TGM cast Sam approval is going to go right to the stomach okay right to the stomach. This is something that you know that's available year round but with the holiday season it's really you say you see these all over the place now and I'm talking about chocolate covered pretzels. Whoever invented chocolate covered pretzels should get uh, a free pass to heaven and <laughs> be knighted as as a saint and be a uh, be be just you know free pass to anything they want want to go to because I just love chocolate covered pretzels the chocolate the salt the pretzels the whole nine yards uh, you know I, I'm not talking about the 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 ones that you you the flips that you buy in the bag I'm talking about the ones that you get at the candy store or, or the Christmas ones with all the cool decorations so. Chocolate-covered pretzels get my TTM cast stamp approval. What do you think, Drew? Very good. That is an excellent choice. Have you ever had chocolate-covered potato chips? Yes. Okay, I was going to say I that's... Like them. I like them, but I think the pretzel's better. Yeah, I would say they are a very close second to pretzels. I mean, pretzels, the the crispiness and the thickness there hold up a lot better to a chocolate than the potato chips do. They kind of lose a little bit in there, but... You can't, I mean, yeah, that combination of chocolate and salt is just so underrated. Chocolate-covered bacon is right up there along with it, too. But I agree. Yeah, I, I would give a huge thumbs up on chocolate-covered pretzels as well. But I like the pretzel, the chocolate-covered pretzels with, like, the M&Ms on them or the Jimmy's or, like, the ones that you get at the candy store. There's also, they also have, like, they have the the holiday sprinkles on them. I really love those. Um I, I like candy, candy, candy canes I'm, on them too. It's always good. yeah, candy canes is really good. You know what they had, uh, and they don't have them anymore. Otz used to have them for Halloween. They were mm. uh, candy corn chocolate covered pretzels. All right, they were. It was so good. Nice. <laughs> they don't make those anymore. But I am a big fan of chocolate covered pretzels. That is my stamp of approval. Well, that wraps up stamp approval, guys, for the week. Next up is the Vern Rap Minute. <laughs> Rap Minute is dedicated to Mr. Vern Rap, and we're going to talk to talk about uh, deaths and deaths in uh, the world of sports and the world of celebrity. We do this as a service to our fellow uh, collectors so that they don't send out a TTM request to someone who passed away. And we have uh, an anomaly this week. We have somebody that's making the Vern Rap Minute and is going to be in TTM Returns yeah. in the same week, which is kind of cool. So first, we lost Brad Henke. Brad Henke was a nose tackle for the Denver Broncos. He played two games with the Broncos, and he played in the Super Bowl 24 for San Francisco. He uh, was a nose tackle. He was also uh, an actor. He was in Orange is a New Black. He played correctional officer Desi Piscatella. And Brad, Hand was, uh, Brad Henke was 56 years old. He did not do TTMs. Uh, we lost Gaylord Perry this week, who was, of course, a baseball Hall of Famer, 22 years in the major leagues. Won 314 games, got into the Hall of Fame in 91. Five-time All-Star. He won a Cy Young in each league. I think he may be the only player to do that. At the very least, he was the very first to do it. But, yeah, he pitched from 1962 to 1983 for the Giants, the Indians, the Rangers, the Padres, the Yankees, the Braves, the Mariners, the Royals. Whenever he would pitch in one of those, like, All-Star Weekend old-timers games, he'd wear a jersey that had every single one of those teams yeah. listed on the front. <laughs> I love that thing. But as everyone knows, I'm sure he was a great TTM or usually charged between $10 and $25, depending on when you got him and everything. 
But yeah, great TTM, a great friend of the hobby. I met him at the 2001 National in Cleveland. He was there for the uh, VIP uh, night on Wednesday there. But yeah, Gaylord Perry was 84 years old. Yeah, and I, I spoke with uh, Dick Bosman uh, on Friday, and Perry's death was announced on Friday. So we talked to him about I talked to him about Perry as a teammate, yep. and if he learned how to pitch, throw uh, Perry's special pitch, and he just giggled. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be next week with Dick Bosman, and uh, you know we'll talk a little more about Gaylord uh, in our next segment. But uh, you know, great teach camera. We lost John Hadel. John Hadel was a quarterback for 16 seasons with the San Diego Chargers, the LA Rams, the Green Bay Packers, and the Houston Oilers. He also punted for, I think, five or six years. He was a four-time AFL All-Star. He played in two Pro Bowls. He went to the University of Kansas. He played from 1962 to 1976. He's a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. And I don't know why he's not in the Hall of Fame. He, he His statistics are right up there. And he played in a, a time when you know, people weren't throwing the ball around like they do today. So I think he was a Hall of Famer and he was a very good TTM. I think he charged $10. I got him, um, I don't know, maybe three or four months ago. I, I had sent one out. I had been sitting around. So I got John Hadel on a card. He was 82 years old. We lost to Al Bamiller this week. He was an offensive lineman, played for the Bills in two AFL championships, played for them from 1961 to 1969. And amazingly, you never hear this very often about an offensive lineman never missed a game in his career. I mean, Joe Thomas is the only one I can think of recently who's done that. Uh, Al was uh, occasionally a TTM or he lasted in 2020. So it's been a few years there. He was 84 years old. We lost Jim Niekamp. Jim Niekamp was a defenseman. He played for the Detroit Red Wings, the LA Sharks and the Phoenix Roadrunners. Drew, if I had given you, asked you what the WHA team for LA was, would you have known that one? I never would have known that one. I would have known the Phoenix Roadrunners, but no, I never would have gotten the L.A. Sharks out of that. I don't think I would have either. And they had a really cool logo. So I don't think they're around that long. I only think they're around for a year or two. Well, Jim uh, played from 1970 to 77. He played uh, 29 games in the NHL, but he played 383 games in the WHA. And we love the WHA. Drew and I are big WHA oh, yeah. guys. Uh, he had 16 goals and 96 assists during his career. He last he teamed in 2020, so he wasn't much of a TTMer. Jim Niekamp was 76 years old. We lost a John Y. Brown this week. He was the team owner of a couple of teams. He was with the, what was that? The uh, Kentucky Colonels, Celtics, the, yep. Yep, the Celtics, the Boston, or the, uh, the Buffalo Braves, I believe there. He was also the governor of Kentucky at one point as well and married to Phyllis George, who of course was one of the first women in sports broadcasting. But a uh, John Y. Brown was 88 years old. John Y. Brown is um, a pariah here in New England because mm. he he's the one, if you remember way back in the day when they basically traded the Buffalo Braves and the Celtics. Well, he had the Braves and he wanted the, he got the Celtics and then the Braves ended up moving to San Diego. Mm -hmm. And that was the, and this was when the Celtics were really bad and he uh, almost got Red Auerbach out, out of there. And he was, he was not well liked. He made all his money uh, with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. He oh, was wow. one of those franchise D guys and made a ton of money. And I was surprised he was still alive. Honestly, he was only 88. Uh, we lost George Donnelly. George Donnelly was a defensive back for the San Francisco 49ers from 1965 to 1967. He went to University of Illinois, played in the 1964 Rose Bowl with Illinois when they won it. He did not do many TTMs. George Donnelly was 80 years old. Uh, we lost Rudy Hernandez this week. Uh, Rudy Hernandez only had a two-year career, 1960 and 1961. 
And if you're a uh, baseball trivia aficionado, you'll know that after 1960, the Washington Senators moved to Minnesota to become the Twins. In 1961, the new Senators came in, who eventually became the uh, Texas Rangers. Rudy Hernandez, only two seasons of his career, pitched for both of those different Washington Senators franchises in that time. So it's basically he came in, pitched for the Senators. They said, hey, we're moving to Washington. He said, or we're moving to Minnesota. He said, screw you guys, I'm staying here, and goes on with the, uh, with the new Senators, basically. But he pitched uh, 28 games as a reliever, 4-2 and two record in that time. Not a TTM, unfortunately, but he was 90 years old. Yeah, I think there's only two or three other guys that played for both Senator teams, and I, yeah. and I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's a, a pretty cool trivia thing. We lost one of Drew's favorite players, uh, hit one of his heroes, Borges Solomon. Borges was a defenseman, a Hall of Famer. He played most of his career with the Toronto Maple Leafs from 1973, 74 to 1989. He played his final season or seasons, I think, with the Red Wings. What season, right? Just one I think, season. yeah, just one season there, yeah. One season with Detroit, he signed as a Hall of Famer. He was a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame, 1996. And I know Drew, uh, he had ALS, correct? He was... Yeah, he was diagnosed with that back in uh, mid-August, I believe, or at least it was officially announced in mid-August. I know when the official diagnosis came, but it sucks because I'd started collecting cards. He is the only Sammy athlete that I know of. That's the, uh, got my Sammy mug here. I'm drinking my coffee out of here this morning there, but it's the people of the northernmost parts of Norway, Sweden, Finland, and the Kola Peninsula of Russia. I've got a little bit of Sammy background myself there, but they, uh, yeah, there, there have not been very many athletes out of that group there. So for him to make it to the NHL and be a Hall of Famer there, representing that group, that was always really great. And so, yeah, I started collecting him because of that. And it was literally about two weeks after I started collecting him, boom, they say, oh, yeah, he's got ALS. It's like, oh, God, no, this is what, he what played, timing. He there. played professional in Sweden after he played with the Red Wings, right? He did. Yeah, he was a starter's career pro in Sweden. Uh, the Leafs came in and the Leafs actually were coming to look at uh, Inga Hammerstrom. Yeah, and sure. so they uh, were checking him out. They're like, oh, yeah, this guy's good. And well, in the game that they were watching with Haberstrom, Salming did something in the first period, end up touching off this brawl, gets ejected from the game. And they're like, oh, we want this guy, too. So they end up going down and signing both of those guys there. And of course, I mean, they both went on to great careers. Salming was a Hall of Famer, of course. And then, yeah, at the end of his career, went back over to Sweden and uh, played professionally there, played in the 92 Olympics, too, which was very rare up until before the 98 games that professional players were allowed to play at all. But I guess he retained enough amateur status in that time. They said, yeah, we'll go ahead and let you play again. And so he captained the 92 Swedish Olympic team. Was he much of a TTMer? He was a good TTMer. Yeah. If you could get a uh, Swedish stamps, he was signing well up until late 2010s, at least. I mean, maybe even into like the early 2020s or so, but I'd gotten him what once or twice by mail down there. I think I mailed three times total. My first attempt never came back, which unfortunately had his rookie card in it. But I did eventually get him on a couple cards there, and I've got uh, still got those in my collection right now. Very cool. Well, we lo- we lost an Oscar and Grammy winner uh, in the world of uh, entertainment. We did, yeah. Uh, Irene Cara. She was uh, famous for fame and flash dance. Like you said, Oscar and Grammy winner there as well. She was sixty three years old. Lastly, we lost our rock and roll Hall of Famer, uh, Christine McVie, who was on was Fleetwood Mac. She was a singer songwriter, and uh, she was really she was she was up front in the um, in the news for Fleetwood Mac. Right? She was she saw she was always seemed to be talking about something. I believe she was uh, an activist for a lot of things, including climate change. And uh, Christine McVie was seventy nine years old. Well, thank goodness, Drew, that wraps up for a minute. We yeah. lost a lot of uh, 
famous people and big name people this week. Uh, we are sorry for your loss and uh, condolences go out to friends and family. Next up, we're going to talk a little TTM returns. Was our mailbox full this week? Let's take a look at this well, week's TTM returns. Week. I got a bunch and I got, I got, I got a couple good ones. Drew, why don't you do your returns first and then I'll take, take mine. All right. So yeah, I ended up getting a six total back this week and I've got two more coming today. But a lot of Cleveland Browns you're going to find in here. Uh, the first ones I got were Boyce Green and Gary Collins. Those came back on Saturday. I think I may have mentioned them last week as coming in, but they did indeed arrive. Boyce Green signing two for me. Gary Collins signing one. Collins, one per signer. He'll personalize as well. But hey, he does it. Can't really complain there. Also got Harlan Barnett, who was a safety for the Browns in the late 80s to early 90s. He is now a defensive coach at Michigan State. I don't remember if he's a defensive coordinator, possibly, or a defensive backs coach, something like that. But he's on their coaching staff and signs through there. Got Mike Caldwell, who was a linebacker and defensive ends for the Browns from 93 to 95. And I think played with Baltimore and a couple other teams after that. He is currently an assistant coach with the Jacksonville Jaguars and signs through them. Took about one month turnaround there. Got Thane Gash, who was uh, actually played with Barnett in the defensive secondary there for the Browns as a, I think he played both safety positions. So whichever one Barnett wasn't playing is usually where Gash was playing. So special teams guy there as well for them. So a long time, I think 90, 88 to 93, I think he played with the Browns. Uh, also got back Cody Hosey from the, uh, he's a prospect for the Dodgers right now. Mailed him about a year ago and got that back. Um, U.S. Postal Service, unfortunately, mishandled that one nicely. They put it in my mailbox and then shoved the packaging over top of it. So it got crinkled up very nicely there. I can't even blame the postal machinery on that one because this was just an idiot postal worker who decided to shove everything into a mailbox that nothing fits into. So do you try to replace those if something gets damaged? Do you send out or try to do a replacement? Um, sometimes I will. Sometimes I won't with Hosey. In this case, I had gotten him in person on this card as well. So I'm not in a huge hurry to replace it all. Just, you know, stick it in the collection, go, yeah, I got a crease in it. Oh, well, deal with it. But sometimes I will do that, though, especially if it's for a set card that I really need or something. Yep. And then the two that I've got coming in this uh, today, it looks like, hopefully, whenever I get back home after running some errands, we'll have Mike Babb, who was a center for the Browns in the 80s sure. on into the early 90s. Played he the played Patriots for the Patriots, center. too, didn't he? He did, yeah, 1990 or 89, either 89 or 90, he was with the Patriots. There was a year when uh, the Browns had to start Greg Ricosi at center because uh, the Browns lost Babb as a free agent, and then he came back to the Browns for a couple of years again. And we've also got uh, Mark Carrier, who, of course, was uh, mostly famous for being with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers for uh, several years, sure. the wide receiver there, Vinny Testaverde's favorite target. And so when Testaverde signed with the Browns, he brought Carrier in with him. He also went on to play for the Panthers after that, but should have those two coming in my mailbox today. Very cool. Love to see him come in, Drew. I, I got a bunch of returns. I'll, I'll run through them. I got uh, Mike Hardenstein. Mike Hardenstein. Let's get that right. Hardenstein. He played for the Chicago Bears. He was a defensive end. He signed his 83 top card for me. A nice black blue Sharpie with his number. Mike was the oldest member of the team that won the Super Bowl, the Bears. He was the oldest member of the Bears. So that was kind of cool. I got Tim Young. Remember Tim Young from the Minnesota North Stars, Drew? Oh, yeah. Yep. He was a, a centerman. He played uh, He played in the 1977 All-Star Game, and he signed his 77 and uh, 7980 uh, cards for me, two cards for me in Blue Sharpie, and uh, came back in a, a few weeks. I picked up uh, a Burt Campanaris 1972 card at uh, the show at, at the Shriners a couple weeks ago for, I think I think it was in a four bin. I said, oh, I got to get that sent off to get signed. Sent mm -hmm. it off, Campanaris, a great TTMer. He signed that, and he also signed my... Uh, 
my TTM cast business card. I send oh, out a nice. business card to all these guys. And I got, I got probably like 10 or 12 cards that the guys just sign and send back to me. I don't know why, nice. but I get, I get, I get that. Then I got Ken Geeds. Ken, Ken Geeds was a linebacker for uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And he played on the expansion Seattle Seahawks. Nice. He was, um, he signed his 76 tops card for me. I think I have now five of the nine signed uh, cards from the 76 Seahawks team. I don't know why I saw, I think when I was doing the story on Lyle Blackwood, I saw that he had a, a Seahawks expansion card mm-hmm. and I went looking and I'm like, Oh, so I picked up all the cards for like a dime at a, at a show, all the Seahawks cards. And I've been sending mm-hmm. them off to get signed a couple of them had passed, but I think I got, I, I think I have, uh, six of them now, six, six of the, six of the guys, which was nice, pretty cool. Nice. I got Doug English who played, was a pro bowler for the Detroit lions for his whole career. Uh, he was a defensive tackle. He personalized it and signed in a uh, blue Sharpie. So it was kind of cool to get that one. I got, uh, Tom Mack on a, on a wonder bread card it is, uh, I don't even know what year this is. Um, in the, it's in the seventies, right? Yeah. It'd have to be 70. Yeah. It's 76, the 76 wonder bread card. Again, this is another card that I just picked up at a card show for a quarter. To, you know, I'll send it to Tom, Tom Mack. I know he signed. He signed it, nice blue sharpie with a with a Hall of Fame uh, in thing in there. And then I just got three cards yesterday. I got Deion James, who played for the Cleveland Indians and Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers. He signed his 1990 and 1986 tops cards for me, and that took that took a couple of weeks. Then I got uh, Wade Boggs. I sent out off a. Uh, um, uh, patch uh number to 199 and he signed it it's a uh, i don't know what this is so so somebody somebody's game worn memorabilia <laughs> it's a panini one it's a panini one oh okay. it's tops it's a tops one yeah. so that was kind of cool and then lastly this was a total shock i sent this off uh, about two two and a half weeks ago and i when uh, he passed the other day yesterday two days ago I didn't think I'd ever, I'd ever see it again. And then lo and behold, I opened my mail uh, yesterday and a day after he passed, I got Gaylord Perry on a 1968 Pops card. And I, I sent you a picture of it and I posted on mm-hmm. social media. Um, and I was thrilled. I had Gaylord Perry on a ball and I think I had him on my 78 Tops card. And I was sitting there and I was like, uh, oh, you know what? I, when I send out to Gaylord Perry, I sent him 10 bucks. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll take a shot. I sent $10 and he signed it. And it might be one of the last things that he signed you don't know there's no way you're knowing but i did i'm going to save the envelope that that's postmarked uh the day he died and uh you know it's it's, it's neat to you know it's not it, it was a little spooky opening it honestly and seeing that it was he signed it yep been there a couple times i did uh had the same thing happen with tito francona back when uh, a couple of years ago whenever he died and then also um mike sandlock was the other one but both those guys I've gotten back and they were postmarked on the day they died. And it's like, great. I'm, I'm the TTM grim reaper now, all of a sudden. Yeah. The only other guy that just happened that was, I was close to close. I had sent out Wade Wilson and he had, mm-hmm. he passed away. And then maybe like a week later, I got the card back with one of those um, laminated funeral cards, you know, right. Yep. That he had passed away. So I, I, we missed out on him. Uh, signing it but that that's as close as i've got in terms of getting somebody gaylord perry was was a total shock i i read had written off the card i'm like oh maybe they'll send it back to me with a little you know sorry gaylord's no longer with, with us but it, it was uh it, it was uh surreal to open open an envelope because i'm not like you i don't know where they you know who who's in it and i got 
I think I got three or four yesterday and Perry was one of them. So it was kind of like the third one I opened and I wasn't really, I, you, sometimes I look to see where they're coming from, but I didn't, I didn't even bother looking. I was really, I was more concerned with the Wade Boggs card, you know, yeah. our Wade Boggs card. So um, that, that was kind of what I was worried about. And then uh, Gaylord Perry was in there. So it was kind of cool. Well, as I said, I sent, I sent out um, 20 returns on uh, Monday or Tuesday this week. So um, I'm going to kind of slow down, I think, for the next couple of weeks. I, I don't like to send out during the holidays per se. So I might only send out like five or ten um, the next couple of weeks just because I, I do have a lot out there. Yeah. Yeah, I've got right, about well, 20 sitting up. here that I'm going to be sending out here. So hopefully we'll have so hopefully mine will keep on coming as well there. I know you, you had a good week. Well, that wraps up TTM Returns of the week. Next up will be our TTM Cast interview. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. So I've been plugging this for, what, I don't know, three weeks now because I, I really enjoyed uh, talking with this woman. Uh, we were supposed to run it last week, but we had to push it back because J.P. Cohen and Memory Lane uh, had their auction that, that's ending this week. So we wanted to... Uh, get him in so we are playing we have uh, my interview with Wilma Briggs who is the second all-time leading home run uh, hitter in uh, all time for the girls American uh, baseball league back in the 40s and 50s so we talked to Wilma about his career her career and, and uh, talking to her about playing for Jimmy Fox and Max Carey it's a really uh, fun interview so hopefully you enjoy it and if you like Wilma Briggs and you want to get a uh, autograph card from her she's sent she signed a bunch of autographed custom cards for me. And uh, I want to thank one of our listeners, Caleb Craig. He, he sent he uh, ordered for me from Tops. They're really high-end, nice quality cards. So I got a bunch to give away. So if you want to win a Wilma Briggs autograph card, I have about 10 that I'm going to give away. So just get, send me your name and your mailing address. And in the in the subject line, write, uh, well, you know, write Briggs card or Briggs raffle or something like that. So I know... No, you're going to do it. And then I'm going to pick the 10 winners. So uh, hopefully we can get, get as many cards out to our listeners as possible. We'll pick the, we'll announce the winners next week. If I have some left over, we'll continue it on. Drew, why don't you let people know how they can send uh, and register for it? That's just, that's uh, you just send it on to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Perfect. Well, guys, please enjoy my interview with Wilma Briggs. But first, here's a message from our friends at CSG. Enter to win one of the most coveted rookie cards in basketball. CSG is giving away a 2003-2004 Topps Chrome LeBron James rookie card, graded a CSG Gen Mint 10. Here's your chance to add one of the greatest players to your collection. To enter, visit csgcards.com today. For your favorite current player for your PC, CSG has got you covered. Learn more about all CSG has to offer at csgcards.com. Joining the show is a very special guest from Rhode Island. Her name is Wilma Briggs. She is a veteran of seven seasons of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. She played from 1948 to 1953. She played with the Fort Wayne Daisies and the South Bend Blue Sox. She is second all-time in home runs for the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League with 43 which is unbelievable. She is only five foot four, 138 pounds on her playing day. And she was smacking the ball over the place. She's a great hitter, a great fielder. And we're going to talk to Wilma about her career. Welcome to the show, Wilma. Thank you so much. First of all, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Wilma has just turned 92 years old and she's still going strong. And she agreed to 
uh, talk to us today. And I really thank you for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Well, you know, Wilma, I saw a quote that you that you said. You said we didn't even know we were making American history. And that goes a long way. I'm a huge history guy. When you guys were playing, you didn't really understand how special it was, did you? No, we had no idea at all. We were just having such a good time playing. It, it didn't matter whether it was history or what it was. We were just having a good time. Now, you know, I know the, the, the release of A League of Their Own, the movie, and now the TV show brought a lot of attention to, to the uh, league and to what you guys had done. Um, was, was, did that come as a surprise to you that all of a sudden you were, you were a celebrity again? Well, we knew Penny Marshall was thinking about doing the movie after she saw a documentary that one of the sons of one of the players had made. And uh, when she finally made it, that's what gave us national recognition. Actually, it gave us international recognition because I've received letters from people for autographs from Australia, New Zealand, Japan. So it gave us, you know, uh, unbelievable uh, uh, recognition. We do. Were you signing a lot of autographs back in the day while you were playing? Was that something that was part of your everyday? Uh... Well, we signed some, but not. A, I mean, I've signed hundreds since the movie came out. And uh, but yes, we signed autographs, but not as many as you might think we would, because we were playing for entertainment for the people during the war and. Uh, they weren't concerned about autographs as much as people are today. So, were the games on uh, radio back then, or was it just uh, just live? Uh, yeah, some were on radio. As a matter of fact, the Veterans Hospital in Fort Wayne uh, actually televised our shows. Oh wow! For the veterans, so the uh, so that that was I never saw any of the televised editions, uh, but. Uh, yeah, they were all on the radio. No, it was no. It's interesting when I was looking at your st uh, statistics. I didn't realize how many games you guys played. You guys were playing over a hundred games, and, <laughs> and it was really a full season. It sure was because it was a relatively short season, and uh, we used to pray for rain. <laughs> <laughs> you you were uh, a big hitter. You were only five foot four. Where did you get all the your power from? Probably from. Uh, uh, milking cows and shoveling, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the uh, the sacks of grain weighed a hundred pounds, and I used to feed the cows, so I had to lift those uh, bags of grain and put them in the grain cart. So all of that made me strong. <laughs> well, you grew up on a dairy farm in, in Rhode Island, and you would have ten brothers and sisters, right? Yeah, there were well, there were twelve of us all together. Yeah. 11 of us that grew up yeah only three of us left so that that that's a big family but baseball was kind of in your blood your dad your dad uh really was the one that brought you into baseball and, and had uh had some talent right right well he loved baseball but he was never really good enough to play on anybody's team so he said well i'll have my own team and then i can play so he did and it was it was originally called the french town which was a, a suburb of East Greenwich, uh, a Frenchtown community club. But everybody called him Farmers because he was a dairy farmer. Yep. So eventually the name became the Frenchtown Farmers. And because I worked in the barn with my brothers, my two older brothers, uh, 
as a reward, he used to uh, let me get in one game, I mean, get in a game uh, and have at least one time at bat. So that was really exciting for me because I was 17 when I joined the All-American. So I was less than 17 when he let me play. So I had never played against girls, only men and women and uh, boys. So I, I was thinking uh, when I finally had my tryout in the All-American, how hard could it be to make since, but when I saw him play, I realized <laughs> there were some really good ball players and, uh, but I did make it. So now you, um, you played on your high school team as well. And that brought some attention to you as a youngster. Was that, was that difficult? Well, a lot of the boys that played on the high school team also played on my father's team. So I had played with them before I played on the high school team, but I only played my senior year. And that's because the coach pitched for my father's team and our uh, principal was a catcher. So the battery was from my <laughs> school and uh, the coach had never seen me play. And uh, he said, uh, gee, why don't you go out for the high school team in the spring? And he had always coached the team. So I thought, well, why not? And then during the summer, they he put the high school team in the summer league and the first baseman was away at sea camp, which was uh, like Boy Scouts only higher up in, in the Navy. Yep. And they needed a first baseman. So I played first base all summer for the high school. And then I played during interscholastically during the season in the spring. We're speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 until the league folded in 1954. She ranked second on the all-time home run list in the league history. She led the league in home runs one, one year, uh, I believe in 1953. She is a member of the AAGBL Board of Directors. She is got inducted to, into the East Greenwich Athletic Hall of Fame. She is got inducted to the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame. She is a recipient of the Game of Legends Award, and she is is, uh, featured in uh, the League of the Own uh, League of Their Own movie. She was she had a cameo, and she has some of her stuff in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. She's what a long list, uh, a long list of resume. Wilma, uh, it, it's so uh, it must be nice to hear all that stuff of the all your accomplishments. Well, I just all I can say is I I never felt like I was doing anything special. I, I was just doing what I love to do. And uh, it came natural to me because I grew up playing uh, baseball. And uh, when I joined the league, uh, they were using a 10 and 3 8 inch ball. Uh, and what the movie doesn't uh, depict is that there were six different balls used during the duration of the league. They started with underhand pitching in a 12 inch ball. Then they went to 11 inch and then 11 and a half inch, then 11. And then when I joined the league in 1948, right out of high school, there was no more underhand pitching. Everything switched to overhand and sidearm. And, and then the, uh, they used that 10 and 3 eighths inch ball until 1950. And in 1950, that's when I led the league in home runs and only had nine. Well, they were using a 10 inch ball. 
I liked the 10 inch ball. I, I thought that was a good ball and to keep the game different from regular men's baseball. However, in the final season, they switched to a, a regular uh, baseball like the men used. And uh, I remember I was playing with South Bend and in, in Fort Wayne, the first six seasons, you couldn't hit the ball out of the ballpark. The fences were too far. But yep. in South, but so most of my home runs came on the road. <laughs> like I could hit it out in, in Rockford and I could hit it out in Grand Rapids. I could hit it out in Kalamazoo and I could hit it out in South Bend. But Fort Wayne was difficult. You had to get the ball between the outfielders and it would roll. And if, if you were fast enough, you could round the bases, but you didn't hit it out of the ballpark. So eventually in 1953, when I led the league in home runs, they put a home run fence in and that was short enough that I could hit it over the fence. And the strange thing is a teammate and I both had eight home runs. And what we didn't know was somebody else in the league also had eight home runs. I don't know who it was, but anyway, on the last night of the season, the last night I got lucky and hit my ninth home run and led the league. So that, that's awesome. Did you know, I think you st- you saved the ball, right? Did you get the, the ball from the, the last home run? No, we didn't. Uh, the only balls I saved were kind of balls that I took out of the ball bag and brought home and, and, and we used them. My brothers and I wore them all out playing ball with them. I have only two original balls. One, is a 10 and 3 eighths inch from the, my initial season. And the other one is, uh, it's a 10 inch ball. Did you save any of your uniforms or any memorabilia from your playing days? Well, when we won the pennant in 1952 with Jimmy Fox, we got uh, the great Jimmy Fox. By the way, I had a brother named James Emery Fox Briggs. <laughs> and <laughs> who would believe he was born, I think, in 1936. And who would believe that years later, the great Jimmy Fox would be my manager. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we, we got to keep jackets, but the uniforms were, were turned in and they were used. They had a, a day, junior daisy team and they got our uniforms. Uh, some of the players on some of the teams were able to keep theirs, but we weren't able to do that. So you mentioned Jimmy Fox. Jimmy Fox obviously was a Hall of Famer. And you also were influenced by Max Carey, who was a former Max Hall Carey, of Famer. Greatest baseball teacher I ever had. He taught he taught me how to hit to the opposite field, how to how to drop a bunt, how to drag a bunt, how to bluff a bunt, how to steal, how to, how to hook slide with a ball coming from the outfield, slide toward third base, tag the second with your hand. If it's coming from the other way, slide and tag, slide toward the outfield, toward right field, and tag with your foot. So your toe, <laughs> not your whole foot, your toe. And uh, he he just taught me so many things: how to catch a fly ball in position to throw, uh, and if if it's just a big lazy fly and you're standing still, back up a few steps so you've got a little bit of momentum coming in to catch the ball, and you can really get rid of it. That's one of the things in Major League Baseball today that drives me insane when I see these <laughs> catch, catching everything with one hand. I, I don't like that. I think they ought to 
they, they had to really practice the fundamentals and, and play good fundamental baseball. But today, everything, they rely on the home run. And, and of course, it does win most of their games. Was it one of the World Series games the other day? Every run was scored by a home run. Yeah. So. No, it's funny you, when you say that. You just remind me of my grandfather when I was a little kid. He would te- he would drill it into me. Two hands, two hands. You don't catch a ball with one hand. And I that that's something that I, I always I always did because of him. Yeah. The other thing there I remember so clearly. Well, in the winter time, we used to. <laughs> because my father had all the baseball equipment. He kept it in the trunk of the car, and we'd get a couple of baseballs. And when the cows would be in the barn all winter, and they faced out, but there was about a six or eight-foot cement stretch between them. And anyway, we used to roll the ball as hard as we could up that cement strip from one end of the barn to the other, and whoever lost uh, or missed or made an error on 10 first, then they were out and you played somebody else. But we wore out more baseballs playing rollers in the barn. And the other thing that I remember is my my fondest memory of baseball is my father hitting ground balls to my older brothers, two older brothers and me in our backyard. He he was uh, backed up, the barn was behind him and he was hitting toward the house. And once, two, two or three times, he did break the kitchen window. <laughs> most, most of the time. But the thing was, he hardly ever missed the ball. And we pitched it back to him when we fielded it. And the thing was, we were, you know, we were like 11, 12, 13, 14 years old, and we weren't very good pitchers. <laughs> and sometimes we'd throw it on the wrong side of him, and he'd just turn around, and he'd hit it. And, and I said to myself, I want to learn to get the bat on the ball like that. And I got pretty good at it because I batted second in the lineup and I lead in the, in the All-American and our leadoff hitter was a good base stealer. So being left-handed, I could protect her so the catcher didn't see her when she got her start. And Max Harry had taught me how to make a move so that I actually blocked the catcher out. But he said, you can't just do it when she's going to steal. You've got to do it on every pitch and make it part of your natural movement. And I did. And if I were to bat today, I would still do it because it became part of my natural move. And he, he taught me how to do that. And uh, that, that was so exciting. But my father, because, because he never missed, we, lo- we begged him to come and hit ground balls to us. Because if we did it, we spent all day chasing the ball because we missed. Yeah. When I played in the All-American, my roommate, she wouldn't play Peppa with anybody but me because I never missed. And, <laughs> and I learned that from him. And, she w- and the other thing was I hit Peppa. And the others thought they were having batting practice and they'd kill you. I mean, you were standing pretty close. And, he, yeah. and she wouldn't warm up with anybody because they always wanted to play burnout. And she just wanted to warm up. So we had a good relationship, she and I. Did yeah. you, you batted left-handed. Was that your natural? Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, As a matter of fact, I do anything I do with two hands, I do left-handed. Anything but I you, do, threw right, you threw righty, though. Threw right. Anything I do with one hand, I, I do right-handed. 
So I eat, I draw, I write, uh, and right-handed. Yeah. But you, but you are not, you are a natural lefty. Well, I was a natural lefty batter. Yeah, batter. Yeah. Just like Kyle Yastrzemski, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you make it? You know, you met. I, I think I saw in one of the interviews that you used to make it up to Fenway every once in a while. Um, uh, do, when, do, do you, do you recall Yankees, your trips up to Fenway? Well, no. When when the Yankees were in uh, Fenway Park, my father would take my two older brothers, and I used to say, "What about me?" <laughs> so pretty soon, I got to go too. But only when the Yankees were there. We had, I, I never saw any other team play until. Uh, Oh, I don't know, six or seven years ago, one of my high school uh, players that played on the high school team with me, he took me to Boston. They were playing Detroit. But see, I'm a Yankee fan, and I don't hold it against anybody that's a Red Sox fan, but I just, I like the Yankees because they had such good team chemistry. And it's team chemistry that really makes a team. It's, it's not stars. You can't depend on the stars. But you can, if, if the players are willing to make sacrifices uh, for, the, uh, for, the, for their teammates, you're going to have good team chemistry. And it never bothered me to give up a time at bat to make a sacrifice. We're speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma Briggs played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 to 1954 when the league uh, ended up folding, right, or, or ceasing operation. And he, she was an outfielder, and she played a little first base as well. She is second all-time in the home run list with 43 in the league history. She is only one of 14 players to collect 300 or more RBIs. And know what, guys? She could run. <laughs> you stole a lot of bases during your career, Wilma. Uh, I stole most, most of them when Max Harry was was uh, our manager. Uh, he he had us all running, and uh, he and uh, Tyvee Eisen, the leadoff hitter, and I, we had our own signal. And uh, I would have. That's one of the things about being able to get the bat on the ball, because a lot of times I had to hit with two strikes, and Max always said. Just remember, if it's close enough to be called, it's close enough to be swung at. So I had a, a lot of uh, two-strike base hits just because of that. But I was able to follow off a lot of pitches. And if you can follow them off, pretty soon you're going to get one you can hit. So uh, for batting second in the lineup with Max, I, I think I batted 275 both years with him. And... Uh, and I, you know, I credit that mostly to being able to get my bat on the ball and, you know, get a good pitch. You got to play a lot as a rookie. Uh, and I know that's, that was rare to back in those, those oh, days. That was, I was, that's unbelievable. When I, when I. Because you were young, you were only what, 17 years I, old, right? I was 17 and right out of high school. As a matter of fact, the, the day of my high school, the night of my high school graduation, which was June 11th, 1948, the next morning at nine o'clock, there was a tryout uh, camp or in somewhere in New Jersey, Trenton, I think. And I had to decide, do I go to my graduation or do I go to the tryout? Now, as much as I wanted to go to the tryout, my decision was to go to my graduation. 
I would I was the first in my family to graduate from high school and, and many years later went on to college. But I, I, I did not want to disappoint my parents. And, and uh, so I chose uh, uh, my graduation, not ever knowing whether I'd ever have another opportunity to try out in the All-American. But the schoolboy uh, sports writer, Dick Reynolds at the time, he found out that I had made that decision and he said, I will, I will get you a tryout. So he called Max Carey, who at the time was the president of the league and arranged and, and said, he, he said, I have a, a player that needs a tryout in the league and uh, she wants to come uh, to one of the cities. And Max said, well, we're not, we're not doing that anymore because players show up they, they don't make it, and then they don't have any money to get home, and we can't afford to keep paying for their expenses to go home. So Max, I mean, Dick, Dick says, but Max, she's going to make it. <laughs> and Max says, I know, they're all going to make it. And he says, no, she's... No, no, gonna, you don't understand. <laughs> no, she's really going to make it. And he says, yeah, I know, they're all really going to make it. But anyway, so for the, the final decision was that if, if my parents drove me to the closest city, which happened to be Fort Wayne, uh, if I didn't make it, they would drive me home. So it wouldn't cost the league anything. So that's how I happened to get a tryout is my parents drove me. And, it, and that's about a thousand miles. To yeah, that's a long drive, especially back in 1948 with the roads a little different than they uh, are today. Yeah, Route 20 all the way. No, no uh, throughway. <laughs> but anyway, so and then when I found out I, I made it, uh, well, I had my tryout, first of all, and it was before just before a uh, game was when the Fort Wayne was having their batting batting practice before the game. And they were all out there in uniform and I'm out there. <laughs> I must have looked like a sore thumb. But anyway, I, I think I had on khaki pants and a sweatshirt or something and a red cap and I tried out at first base and uh, but anyway when it was time for me to bat because uh, the, the girls were pitching to the girls naturally but when it was time for me to bat the manager pitched to me and I thought well that's good because I never batted against the girl because <laughs> he didn't know that but anyway uh, I think my hitting impressed him and uh, uh, because I did not you know, I hit the ball pretty good. And anyway, we the next morning, and so they told me I made it. And and all of a sudden, I became so intimidated. I, I said, oh, I don't want to stay out here by myself. And, you know, today, when I was teaching school, fifth grade, those kids had been everywhere. They sure. Called, I mean, I, and I hadn't even been out of Connecticut was about as far away as I had been to stay overnight. And even then, I cried, had to come home. So I had never stayed overnight uh, any distance away. And, and I, I said, I'm not staying. I'm going home. And finally, my father said, if, if you don't like it, you can always come home. So I finally decided to stay. But, but in the meantime, the manager called Max Carey. And he said, we got this kid. Max didn't know I was, it was the same person that Dick Reynolds was talking about. But anyway, he said, well, give her more money. <laughs> <laughs> Rookie pay was $55 a week. Wow. And, 
So I started at 60. <laughs> so I got a raise before I ever played. So that was pretty good. And I was going to ask you, could you make a living uh, playing? I mean, you, you played uh, seven years. I, I'm sure near the end of your career, you were, were making a pretty good dollar. Well, I, I got up to $100 a week. But when I came home, I started working in a knife factory and I was working for about $25 a week. So <laughs> did they um, I, did they include uh, room and board when, with your salary? I know that you guys lived on, you know, hotels on the road and stuff, but you yeah. had te uh, team team houses, right? We got we got three dollars a day for food on the road at home. We paid our, our own food. And but they gave we we lived with private families like two players might stay two players at each home and like two might stay at your house. And yeah, kind of like the Cape Cod League does. What's that? Like the Cape Cod League does in in the summer where they they have the kids live at the private homes. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not really familiar with that. Okay. But but I was very fortunate in the first year, the rookie year, we we were both rookies, and as a matter of fact. I stayed in touch with her. She died last year at 92, and uh, she was a pitcher. And we loved to play behind her because she threw strikes. She hardly ever walked anybody. And she could give up nine hits and two runs because they got the hits after two outs. And so she was great to play behind. But anyway, uh, she and I had to take the city bus to the ballpark, and we lived on the opposite side of town. And it was horrendous. Oh, sometimes we'd be talking, we'd miss our stop. We didn't know, <laughs> we didn't know where we were. Oh, God, it was crazy. But the next year, Dottie Schrader, the shortstop, she asked me to room with her. Uh, so, did, so did my rookie roommate, and so did one of the catchers, and so did a girl who, who lived in Fort Wayne. That was her home. She lived with her parents. Well, Dottie Schrader said to me, and Dottie was one of the big stars in the league. I, I couldn't even believe, she's the one that I said only wanted to play Peppa with me. Well, yep. that's because she said to me, if you room with me, we'll have transportation. I said, I'll room with you. <laughs> Sold. <laughs> that, that's right. That made, I mean, that would have been a no-brainer not to room with her. And we roomed together for five seasons and never had a disagreement, uh, not one. She was just the most fantastic person I've, I've probably ever met. And it was just a joy to play with her and to room with her. And uh, I, I visited her home once in, in Sedoris, Illinois, which is very close to Champaign. But, Do you have a favorite moment on the field? Something that, that even, even now you harken back and you're like, oh, that, that really brings a smile to your face? My baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know I did not write the, the biographical. I wrote a biographical sketch, but they rewrote it and they did not write exactly what I was thinking. But anyway, the card says that one of my favorite moments was hitting a home run with my parents in South Bend, which, which was, I mean, that was pretty exciting. As a matter of fact, my rookie season, my father came out to see me play and I made a shoestring catch in right field. And I, I didn't, I hadn't seen him. I didn't know. I knew somebody from home was there because I saw our car, which was a 1948 Ford. And the license plate was Rhode Island E7330. 
and 7330 was our phone number. So, ah. many, so I said, well, somebody's here from home. And But I didn't see him. And the game started, and I made this shoestring catch in right field. And after the game, my father was never one to rush out. And he's sitting behind, in the, right behind third base. And, and I saw him. So I went over to talk to him. He didn't say hello. He didn't say, he said, lucky catch. <laughs> <laughs> and then in South Bend, when I hit that home run, I knew they were in South Bend because they stayed for the whole series and then went on to Kenosha and saw some more games. But anyway, when I rounded second base and was going toward third base, I could see him behind third, sitting behind third base. But when the game was over, first thing out of his mouth was lucky hit. Jeez, so, <laughs> thanks, Dad. I knew what he meant. Did he did he have a a, a, a wry sense of humor? Was he a, a... Yeah, yeah. And he used reverse psychology all the time. So that's cool. I mean, it's it's great that, you know, as a youngster, they would take you out to the tryout and supported you and, and went to see you play. And uh, I'm sure it was a, a different time for, for women as opposed to men. But uh, you, you guys made, made your mark. Yeah. And my first, uh, I tell you, I, I stayed at the Hotel Van Orman my first night in Fort Wayne. And the next morning, the Daisies went on a nine day road trip. And one of the series was in Chicago and Max Carey came out to the game. And that's where I met him for the first time and after the game. And uh, I couldn't believe it. I'm a rookie. I've only been with the team overnight. I haven't even met the players yet, except on the bus trip. And he put me into pinch hit. And lo and behold, if I didn't... <laughs> There was, a, there was a guy that played right field for the Yankees. He was the greatest foul ball home run hitter I ever saw. Well, that's what I did. I hit the ball out of the park, but it was foul. Oh, on your first at bat, you just missed a home run? I just missed a home run. And anyway, I, I don't know what I finally did. I, nothing special. And I was out. But after the game, Max Carey was very impressed. And he wanted me to stay in in Chicago and play with the Colleen's. And I remember my manager telling him, she's staying with us because she's left-handed and we don't have any left-hand hitters. So that's how I happened to stay with the Daisies in Fort Wayne. That's very cool. We're speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 to 1954. She played with the Fort Wayne Daisies and she played her final season with the South Bend Blue Sox. She led the league in home runs in 1953. She is second on the all-time list with 43 home runs. Uh, luckily, you, you're you're about 12 behind the leader, so you didn't have to worry about that one that one that got, that went foul. Well, she the leader. She she played all all her, her whole career in Rockford, and which is a small was, park, right? She was left-handed. And it was a football field that had a diamond on it, but there were bleachers in right field. So right field wasn't very deep and she could hit them in. So I'm not surprised if I had played at Rockford, I would have had 50 home runs, believe me, uh, probably maybe more than she did. But anyway. Uh, See, Jane, Jane, always the competitive athlete, right, Jane? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah right. <laughs> well, you know, the thing I like, I never really wanted to be traded. Yeah, but I did go to South Bend 
And I wish now I could have played my entire career at South Bend because in South Bend, I could hit it out in any field, left, center, or right. And, and there were cars parked behind the fence out there. And I don't know if I broke any windshields or not, but I might have come close because you surpri we surprised the, the league uh, ended operations in 54. Did you think it was going to keep on going for a while? We hoped it would, uh, but the handwriting was on the wall. Uh, they We wanted them to try to move it toward the east, and they said, no, it would be too cold, and uh, they had all kinds of reasons. But uh, anyway, yeah, everybody was disappointed. Uh, so well, when was your season? When did you guys play? Were you did, were you playing spring spring to fall, or, or when did you? When, when was your season? I, I you know I try to remember that. I thought we started somewhere around Memorial Day, but maybe it was before that. And the season ended around Labor Day. Oh, Labor Day, sure. Yeah, so it was June, July, August. Was the tra was the traveling tougher? I mean, you guys were, were pretty localized in the Midwest, right? So you weren't going huge yeah, distances, yeah. right? Yeah, Grand, uh, Michigan, uh, Illinois, uh, uh, Indiana. Did, was Fort Wayne a good place for you to play in terms of the, the support of the fans? Oh, the fans? The fans are unbelievable. You know, a lot of people ask me that. Well, what, if, what did they boo you? Uh, did they make fun? Did they say, you know, you should be home, uh, you should be married, blah, blah, blah. None of that ever happened with me. Uh, they were very complimentary. If you made an error or, or anybody made an error, they very seldom ever said anything about the error uh, because there were so many outstanding plays that they were in awe of the talent that they were watching. And they were... I mean, you couldn't ask for better fans. And that was just about every ballpark. I, I, was, I don't remember any derogatory remarks ever toward me from any of, any of the ballparks I played in or anybody else. How close was the movie league to their own uh, to your experience? You know, they all mentioned all the off-field stuff and chaperones and, well, you know, etiquette classes and all that kind of stuff. Was, it, was, was that involved? That was, that was accurate. The thing, the thing that the movie doesn't show, because it's supposed to be showing the beginning of the league, you know, when they had the tryouts in Chicago. Yeah. And, and I, I guess that's what happened pretty much. But they didn't use a nine-inch ball in the beginning of the league. They didn't have overhand pitching. It was underhand. And the league does not show that they used six different size balls. <laughs> you know, it's funny. That was going to be one of my questions to you because I, I wasn't sure what what size ball it was, and, and did they were they experimenting to see what gave the best um, games? Well, that I think, I think eventually they wanted it to everything to be the, uh, pretty uniform with men's major league baseball. But the base paths, I, I, I think they were seventy five feet when I started, and they never got eighty five was as far as long as, as, far as they were, okay. Pitching did go to 60 feet, not 60 feet, six inches like the men, because yep. they, they forgot. How, how fast were the girls throwing? You know, with well, I don't know, because they were, it was never measured and nobody ever said, but I know some of the pitchers were throwing pretty fast. 
And yeah, I mean, you you faced men in high school. Were they was that was it uh, similar to what you were facing in high school, or was it faster than that? Oh yeah, it was definitely similar to high school, if not faster. Uh, I remember in a reunion we had in California, and they did have a gun there measuring how fast we threw, and we were in our sixties. And Sue Kidd, she pitched for South Bend. Threw a very heavy ball, but anyway, uh, she she was still throwing the ball sixty miles an hour. Wow! And, and she, well, she was in her late fifties. I was I was sixty, and she was about three years younger than I. And I couldn't believe it. I was I was throwing at about fifty two, <laughs> but she was throwing at sixty, and that's they're pretty good at that age. So. Would they do? Would they doing stuff to the ball, scuffing it up and throwing spitballs and all that kind of stuff? Were they what? Scuffing the ball up and throwing spitballs and kind of you know the, uh, no, the all the no, all the stuff that the major no. leaguers do now. No, the the worst thing about balls, they they were always experimenting with the ball. Sometimes you got a lively ball. Sometimes you got a dead ball. I remember when I was playing with South Bend, and. We went to Kalamazoo, and the, and the Fort Wayne Daisies had just left. And the Fort Wayne had some long ball hitters. And during that series, there were 14 home runs. Wow. And they used a lively ball. So when we came to town, we got a dead ball. And I hit every time up, I hit the ball. It hit the top of the fence, but none of them <laughs> went over. Everyone came back. And if we'd been using a lively ball, I, I probably would have had a home run every time I was up. But, I mean, those, those are the breaks of the game. And Did you collect autographs when you when you were playing? Did you get autographs of, like, Jimmy Jimmy Fox and Max Carey or your teammates or, or people that you played with against? Yeah, I, I have. I, I got Jimmy Fox's autograph from my brother, Jimmy, and he signed it to my namesake. But I, I said to myself, oh, my gosh, I don't even have Jimmy's autograph. And then – I remember <laughs> uh, we won the pennant in 1952 with Jimmy Fox. No, Max Carey managed in 50 and 51. And those were my two best years and, and the most fun. But anyway, uh, uh, we won the pennant and I had a $1 bill and I had all the players and Jimmy sign it. So I do have his autograph on a $1 bill. And when I, I had... After the movie came out, I had tons of speaking engagements. And one of the things I would take is that dollar bill. And it was getting kind of, you know, I was afraid it was going to get ruined. So yep. I put it, in, put it in a plastic case so the kids could handle it and look at it. And uh, they enjoyed it. So I, I was looking at your stats in 1952. You only stole one one base. Did you get hurt that year? Is that why you weren't stealing? Uh, I only stole one base in 1952. That's what the stats say. Oh, oh I'm going to look at it. <laughs> Not that I doubt your word, but I just I don't remember that. Yeah, it says you had three home runs, 50 RBIs, one stolen base, 44 walks. Maybe it's an error on the from the stats. I have to put my glasses on because I can't All right. see. Well, um. You know, you you mentioned um, fifty one and fifty two as as your the years that you had the most fun. Why why was it the most fun for you? Because Max Carey was the manager, and he was such a good teacher. 
Did the um, did the uh, was it was it strict off the field in terms of them watching you guys and chaper- uh, you know, having chaperones and making sure you behaved yeah. quote unquote? <laughs> the one thing that drove us crazy was because we tra- in the early uh, days of the league, they traveled by charter, uh, they traveled by train, uh, but by the time I was in the league, everything was with a chartered bus. And I can remember, um, it'd be two o'clock in the morning. And if you got off the bus, because on the bus we wore shorts or, or something. And but if you got off the bus to use a restroom at a gas station, you had to put a skirt on. Right. Well, at two o'clock in the morning, there's nobody there. We, we had to put a skirt on. And that drove us insane. I mean, but and what would they do? Find you if you didn't? Well, I don't know, because everybody did. Just <laughs> general principles. But um, anyway, uh, yes, they were very strict about clothes. Um, and we, we had to go to a lot of um, luncheons, like uh, Kiwanis Club or something like that, mm-hmm. all, all men. And uh, we hated that because we had to dress up and we, we had to wear silk stockings and, and they didn't they didn't have knee highs then uh, you had to have got a belt or something and it was just miserable so but anyway we tried we tried to have fun I used to try to sit with one particular player because whenever she wanted bread she'd say could you pass me the bread and they'd hold the plate and she said no just give me one piece so they'd hand her a piece and and she would always rip it she would tear make a hole in it oh she was so funny she she was really fun to to eat with it it sounds like you had real fun a real fun time playing but really the camaraderie with the with the other players was really the best part no yeah yeah i think so you you asked me earlier about a particular moment and i mentioned home run when my parents were there. That's, the, that's what's on my baseball card. But I think the most exciting moment was when Max Carey motioned for me to bluff a bunt. He said, I want you to, I want you to check to be sure Tybee was on first. He said, she's going to steal second. And I want her to be able to go from first to third. So I want you to bluff a bunt. I mean, look like a gunner bunt and make sure the shortstop is covering second. And uh, then on the next pitch, she's going to go and you're going to hit right through that hole. And I, I hit right through that shortstop hole. And to me, to be able to execute the play, the manager wants you to do is very exciting. And to me, that was the most exciting moment of, of, you know, to remember. Does it drive you crazy watching today's game with all these shifts and got five guys on the right side of the infield? And I don't think they, yeah, they've spoiled the game as far as I'm concerned. I agree. Too too many home runs and uh, way too many home runs. And and they shouldn't have the shift. You've got a position, play the position. And second base is not on the shortstop side. It's on the first base side. So stay there. And I know. And I don't know why these guys just don't hit in the hole. There's so much, the, the spaces are so big uh, on the other side of the field and they refuse to. Yeah, I, yeah, 
I can't understand it either because what in batting practice, if I were if I were managing that team, I would say to the players, when that shift is on, when you take batting practice, not before the game, but I mean when you have when we have practice, I want you to try to hit everything to the opposite field. Yeah. And get so you can do it. And if they got so they could do it, or bunt down there, I mean, a bunch of sure base hit because there's nobody there. And they I don't know do these it. guys, and they, they there's one guy in the field on the left side of the field, and it's the, the third baseman who's all the way over at second base. Yeah. All you have to do is drop a little dinker down there, and you, yeah. you got you're on base. Just get it past the pitcher, and you're on. I and know. I understand, but I if I were coaching, I would say you do that, learn to do it, and if they did it. They'd, they'd stop the shift. They'd have to because. No, I know. And think about how much money these, some of these guys would make. Just, you know, they'd be hitting 330, 340 and right. getting on base all the time and stealing some bases. They would, they'd make just as much money. Right. Right. So we're speaking yeah. with Wilma Briggs. It's, I, I wanted to call Briggsy. Yeah, I, I love the nickname. You were you were Briggsy in your playing days. I out of respect, you're not you're 92 years old, but I want to call you Briggsy. Briggsy, she played in the girl all American girls professional baseball league from 1948 to 1954. She started as a 17 year old out of high school, and she played all the way till she was the old age of 23. Can you believe it? She played till she was 23. She was a uh, left fielder, uh, outfielder. She was uh, a great hitter, a lefty hitter. She was a great fielder. She uh, led the league in home runs in 1953. She's second all time in home runs with 43. She is one of only 14 players to collect 300 or more RBIs in, in her career. She is inducted into the Royal Ireland Heritage Hall of Fame. She is a member of the Each Greenwich Athletic Hall of Fame. She is a recipient of the Game of Legends Hall of Fame. Her stuff is featured in the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Have you been back to Cooperstown to see the exhibit and have they updated it re recently? Uh, I think, the, I think the, the last reunion I went to was in uh, uh, Syracuse. And we spent one whole day at, at the Hall of Fame. So, is it is it humbling to you to, to know that you guys are featured in the Hall of Fame and some of your stuff is there? Well, we, we think. See, there are there are a lot of players that that think we should be inducted individually. I, I don't think we should because the game was in constant transition. How do how do you uh, compare? Sophie Curies, who stole over 200 bases one year with underhand pitching, and she was able to take a lead, and the base pass were probably 55 feet. You can't compare that with somebody that had 85-foot base pass and overhand pitching. There's no comparison. So I don't think any individuals should ever be inducted. I, I think to be recognized by the Hall of Fame, there is no greater honor than that. And we should, every player should feel very honored that, that we've been not, we were not inducted. We were recognized. Right. I mean, what more could you want than to be recognized by the National Baseball Hall of Fame? And again, I just, I hope because they keep pressing, 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 trying to get individuals. They said, they said, <laughs> now I never made the all-star team. Because How come? Why do you think that was? I, I think it's because there were 
three outfielders that had a higher batting average than I had. Okay. So is that what an outfielder is? A hitter? I, I thought you I thought making the all-star team should be defense as well as offense. And one year, I think it was 51 or two, I only had two errors. I still didn't make the all-star team, but I was the best fielding outfielder in the league. I don't get it. And I batted 275 two years in a row and stole, I think one year I stole 25 or 30 bases or something. Uh, one of those years, or both of those years or something, was Max Carey. And uh, I still never made the All-Star team. because and, and one of the girls that made it, this is their argument for the Hall of Fame inductions. They, they want the players that made the, uh, made the All-Star team to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, one girl in particular only made it once. Anybody can have a hot year. Right. And, and you can be a lousy ball player. Why would that qualify you to be in the Hall of Fame? I don't get it. So I just think the, the way they're going at it, and that's, that's our association. They're the ones that decided the All-Stars should be chosen first. Well, I can see some of them because they, have, they were great ball players, but some of them, they weren't worth a hell of beans. <laughs> Did you do you have any of your memorabilia uh, in the Hall of Fame? Do you have a, a glove or a uniform or uh, no, a bat? But I have a fungo bat uh, that Max Carey and Jimmy Fox both used. Guys, she's hol she's holding up the bat. I'm so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this bat, it's got to be. I don't. I, when I got it. It was cracked, so I took. I used it for over forty years, hitting infield, playing softball when I was coaching and playing, and because I played till I was sixty-two, till the movie came out, and and I had never played softball ever. But anyway, uh, uh, that bat I think they would accept, but they've got so much stuff, you know. They really, and I don't have anything any anymore that. Other than that bat, I think they would take that bat, and uh, hopefully someday that's where it'll go. But not yet. Well, you you ended up uh, after playing. You went to college and became a teacher, grade school teacher in North Kingston. Did you share your story of of your uh, baseball career with your students? And were, were you were you were you a a, a a a celebrity in your school? I uh, no. <laughs> well, the first thing was you couldn't make anybody understand it was hardball, not softball. So you had to go through all the ritual, that rigmarole to get them to understand. And even then they didn't understand. So, uh, and as a matter of fact, uh, one of the custodians at my school, when I was teaching fifth grade at Whitford Elementary, <laughs> I used to play baseball against him. And then, he, then later he played for my father's team. So I played on the same team with him. But in high school, I played against him. So uh, so some, some of the people kind of knew that I played pro ball, but I didn't talk about it. I'm speaking with Wilma Briggs. Wilma Briggs played seven seasons in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League from 1948 to 1954 when the league ended. She ended up. Uh, she is from Rhode Island. She ended up being a teacher for 
over 20 years in North Kingston, and she is uh, she has so many awards. She was on the AAGBL Board of Directors. She is in the East Greenwich Athletic Hall of Fame. She is the Rhode Island Heritage Hall of Fame. She is first recipient of the Game of Legends Award. She is second all-time in the home run list for the girls All-American Girls Baseball League. She is uh, one of 14 people to have 300 or more RBIs. She had an outstanding career. She led, uh, as I said, she led the league in home runs in 1953. She's only five foot four on her playing days, and she batted left-handed. And boy, guys, she could run. She was a heck of a player, and it was a thrill to talk to her about her career, learn about her playing days, and really, uh, it, it was an honor to to meet you, uh, Ms. Briggs. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. You be good. Thank you. Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and to many more. I hope. <laughs> well, Drew, our first December show is in the books. It's in the books. We have a, we had a long show this week. I was rambling a little. Yeah, we both were. I mean, we had a lot to cover in here, a lot of stuff going on. So uh, I'm, I'm sure the uh, listeners, though, will forgive us for it. I hope so. Well, I want to thank Wilma Briggs for joining us, guys. If you want to win a Wilma Briggs autographed card, they're really nice custom cards. Uh, just send me an email to dtmcast at yahoo.com. In the subject line, just put Briggs uh, raffle or Briggs card, something like that. Make sure you send me your mailing address. All right. I got about 10 cards to give away. So um, we're just going to, we'll pick the winner at random, but hopefully we can get cover most of the people. It's a really nice card. Uh, you can check it out on our, our website. I've got it posted up there. Uh, if you want to win a, win a Wil Wilma Briggs autograph card, I want to thank Wilma for joining us. I want to thank, thank, thank her. Uh, I think it's her, her daughter-in-law or her cousin or her, her niece. I think it's her niece, <laughs> Jane, who helped uh, arrange that for us. I also want to thank Clemente Lise, Clemente from uh, Corner Kicks, and he's got his brand new book. Drew, what's the book called? That is called the FIFA World Cup, a history of the planet's biggest sporting event. Very good. That's available on Amazon. Check that out. You can also save 30% if you click on the link on our website. You can save 30% uh, if you use that. Uh, you have to, if you go through Amazon, you got to pay full price. All right. Also, I want to thank Les Wolf. Les Wolf is going to be at the Philly show this weekend. If you're dropping by the Philly show at all, make sure you say hello. Uh, we remember if you want to win, will win a Wilma Briggs card, send us an email address. Don't forget about our TTM cast, give a card, get a card for the holiday, uh, contest promotion. All you have to do is send me two cards, autograph cards, one card and, uh, one card goes to signatures for soldiers, earn money for signatures for soldiers. Another card will go to a fellow collector and we're going to you know, kind of swap cards out. So send me two cards, a self-addressed standard envelope, and sent to my home address. All the information is on our website, ttmcast.com. We're going to run the promotion through Christmas, maybe even through the end of the year. So get on that. It's a fun way to uh, network with some fellow collectors and also earn some money for a worthwhile charity during this holiday season. All right, Drew, next week we have Dick Bossman from the, let's see, the Senators, the Rangers, the Indians, and the A's. He was a pitcher. He pitched a no-hitter in 1974. He pitched, uh, he won uh, the ERA title, the American League ERA title in 1969. He is a great TTMer. We're going to talk to him about his career. We also have more with Les. Les Wolf will be joining us again next week. And in Collector's Corner, we have Nora Germain. 
Nora is a 13-year-old collector from San Francisco. She is a she plays basketball and softball, but she's really into collecting. She is uh, she's kind of the Drew Pelto in terms of in-person autographs. But Drew, she's a girl and she's 13. Think she has any problem getting autographs? Probably not. I mean, players will always sign for uh, for the ladies, and they'll always sign for the kids. You combine that together, that's 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 a gold mine right there. Yeah, she's a great, she's very passionate about collecting. So we talked to Nora and Collector Corner. So next week, Dick Bosman, Les Wolf, Nora Germain, lots of cool stuff. Drew and I will review our returns. We'll do some grading. We'll talk about Baker's Suds and all our regular stuff. I want to thank you guys, all you guys for listening. We had a nice long show. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I want to wish everyone many happy returns. We'll see you next week.